from Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis are joined by M.K. Naftali Bennett, former Israeli Minister of Defense and head of the Amin HaChadash Party. Minister Bennett talks about lessons he learned while living in America, discusses how his commitment to religion informs his professional and political life, and shares his vision for Israel and Jews in the diaspora. Plus, a global campaign to support BRS, a discussion about yarmulkes in the public space and workplace, and Rabbi Moskowitz has a change of heart during the Super Bowl. All this and more, Behind the Bima. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Behind the Bima. It is Wednesday, 9 p.m. I'm your host, Rabbi Ephraim Gober, joined by my colleagues and dearest friends, Rabbi Philip Moskowitz and Rabbi Joshua Brody. Gentlemen, what a big night. Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, it is Behind the Bima. We have one of our highest profile guests yet, perhaps a future, if not the next Prime Minister of the State of Israel, a former uh, minister, today member of Knesset, Naftali Bennett. What a conversation that is going to be, and we're excited to bring wow. it to you. But there's also, what else is going on, gentlemen, this week? What is happening across the globe this week? Well, the globe is Bokerton Synagogue this week, as BRS has launched our first ever BRS Plus global campaign which is seeking to raise dollars, money, and gratitude and appreciation for all the articles, classes. If you're enjoying Behind the Bema, people could take advantage right. of this. Rabbi Goldberg, do you want to speak about that a little bit? I do, but first I want to thank our sponsor for this evening's episode. Mm. Very much aligned. We want people to give. Give to BRS, give elsewhere. The key is to get into the habit of giving because the greatest beneficiary of your giving is yourself. Tonight's episode is sponsored by our friends at dailygiving.org, an incredible organization making it easy to perform the mitzvah of tzedakah every single day. They're giving out $1.7 million a year. Wow. So far, none of it to Boca Raton Synagogue, but hopefully that's going to change after tonight. Every sponsor tonight. <laughs> They're sponsoring, t- I take it back. They have now given the sponsorship of tonight to Boca Raton Synagogue. A dollar a day, you can have a huge impact. Take 30 seconds. You could use dailygiving.org, not.com, dailygiving.org. And through dailygiving.org, you can make a difference each and every day. Give to dailygiving.org and give to the BRS Global Campaign. Why did the BRS Global Campaign? What is that all about? Rabbi Moskowitz, who do we think we are talking about the globe? Who do we think we are? We are a bunch of rabbis who are trying to do good for the Jewish people. And we're putting a lot of stuff online, certainly since the start of COVID and the move to a virtual platform. You, Rabbi Gober, get astounding numbers to many of your classes. And uh, we wanted to give people a chance, an opportunity to express that appreciation, that gratitude for all the Torah coming to Boker Synagogue to support it and to enable it to continue. And so, uh, you know, we got a little cute Disney Plus, BRS Plus modeled our actually they modeled themselves after us that's the real exactly. truth but exactly. uh <laughs> but uh but it's been a lot of fun this week i hope people are finding us tonight we are not streaming on facebook we are directing everybody to the platform in which they can participate in our campaign so hopefully people are finding us if you have friends who normally watch behind the bima and they are texting you where are those guys tell them hey can they can find us at brsonline.org slash global brsonline.org slash global and again not to belabor the point but yes the idea is that you know our stats our data show that there are over 10,000 people a week who tune into our shiurim classes programs read our writing follow our posts join our whatsapp groups it's probably closer to 20,000 a week who benefit and our BRS members pay our salary, keep our lights on, enable us to be able to spread the Torah, share the inspiration. And we are inviting others to join our mission, our community, our global community. Our local community, 
first and foremost. Our local community, of course, is the heart of what we do, but we have a global community who learn, including people who love Behind the Bima. Behind the Bima, all over the world, we get feedback on Behind the Bima. And so wherever you're listening, and whether you're listening on a podcast player or YouTube, please subscribe. Whatever device, whatever platform, whatever app, whatever website you're listening, if you enjoy what we're doing, take a moment, just a moment, and go brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global, and be part of the global community. Give back a little bit from the bottom of our hearts. We appreciate it. You saw Ishai Rebo a few weeks ago left to give us a little video talking about how great uh, BRS is. Naftali Bennett tonight will talk about uh, the community of Boca Raton, what we stand for, who we are, what we're trying to accomplish. And we really hope that you'll, you'll be part of and believe in that mission. We'll come back to that a lot more, but we have other major news that I want to talk about. And to do so, I want to bring up I want to first bring up a conversation from last week. So if you're watching, don't get distracted because we're bringing up a clip from last week. Pay attention. But Rabbi Moskowitz from Boston, you're rooting for no. or against Tom Brady? Against. Against why? Against. What's the rationale? A man who brought you so much happiness, a man who brought home so many victories, a man who brought home so many trophies, a man so responsible for a man like half who your left life the putting team you in the Super Bowl? and went to a different team. So last Wednesday was the era of the Super Bowl. And uh, who was it? The Bucks against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs? Was that the game? Chiefs. And, and Tom Brady, who left the uh, New England Patriots, and he defected to another team. And last week I asked Rabbi Moskowitz, will you be reading for or against Tom Brady? And this is what he had to say. I'm a team first guy, but the second you leave my team, you're off. And so Tom Brady is no longer New England Patriots. He now represents a different team. He left my He chose to leave New England. And therefore, he is no longer relevant to me. Yep. I will be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was last week. We had a conversation we'd be rooting for. And Rabbi Moskowitz, you were adamant, adamant about the notion adamant. of loyalty. And that if somebody defies you, if they are disloyal, if they leave, they've lost your support no, much ha- no matter how much happiness they brought. And then Sunday came. And all of a sudden, the Super Bowl started to stream. And I got a notification and I saw this. And this is a post of Rabbi Moskowitz for those listening on a podcast player later and not watching on YouTube. Rabbi Moskowitz posted, I tried hard, but I can't do it. Go Brady. And my question to you, Rabbi Moskowitz, is what happened between last Wednesday night and Sunday? What happened? What happened with loyalty and team and don't defy me? What changed that by Sunday night you were rooting for Brady? You know, it's so interesting. I've always said sports are completely irrational, and that's part of the draw for so many of us who are so practical and rational in our everyday lives. We turn to sports because, by definition, they're so irrational. And so, yes, I felt very strongly leading up to the Super Bowl that Tom Brady left New England Patriots. Therefore, he had no relation to me whatsoever. I wasn't going to root for him. I was going to root against him. I was all excited. I had my uh, Kansas City Chiefs gear. I actually spoke to someone in the community from Kansas so thrilled. Finally, the rabbi is rooting for their team. And, and, and my son, I'm sitting there, father-son bonding. I see Tom Brady come onto the field. I see Gronkowski come onto the field. I just couldn't do it. I've been rooting for these guys for 20 years. They've been part of my family, and I just I couldn't do it. And, and I really, I went back and forth all night between rooting for them, rooting against them, rooting for them, rooting against them. And I guess that is the irrationality of sports. But I had fun doing it. It was great father-son bonding. And... Uh, I guess I will continue to feel emotionally torn going forward. 
Well, I will say that you actually ruined my night because when you were rooting against Tom Brady, I was like, finally, I can root for him. And I knew he'd win, so I was excited to be able to root for the winner. And then when you posted that, that now you're going for Brady, I had to go against him, and I knew it was a losing effort. But for those who don't care about sports, let's pivot. The real question, and the reason I raised it from last week is, it seems to me that there was a conflict of values. On the one hand, loyalty, and on the other hand, gratitude. There was gratitude to Brady for all that he'd done for you, the happiness he brought you. And then there's a question of loyalty. And I wonder whether this, what are, what are great, and we can ask our listeners, they can uh, certainly write in the comments. We'd love to be able to reference them. Are there lahavdil, 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 that in the Jewish world, are there shuls where a rabbi was a rabbi of a shul for a very long time and then was recruited away to another shul? Are there yeshivas? Rabbi Sachs was a Rosh Hashiva at YU till he was recruited to Landers. Rabbi Arya Leibowitz was at Landers till he was recruited back to YU. So would you apply your same rule? Is there institutional loyalty or does the gratitude to the Rebbe, the Rosh Hashiva or the Rav, does it trump the institutional loyalty? First of all, absolutely. And you brought up Rabbi Sachs, or the son Sachs, left YU and became a Rosh Hashiva at Landers. And there, again, I wasn't working at YU at the time, but I heard through the grapevine that there were conversations about whether he should stay on YU Torah, whether he should be afforded the same platforms that he was previously. After all, like Tom Brady, Rabbi Sachs went to a different team. He was, therefore, right. perhaps the loyalties are going to be different. Okay, Rabbi Brody, do you know what football is? So I'll tell you something, <laughs> you're not even going to believe this, but I got a call from someone, he's actually a new member of the synagogue, and they called and they said, you know, we, every year we do something called a super seum on the Super Bowl. And once a year, they make a seum on a certain masechta. The whole family wow. learns it and they all get together. And they said, you know what, we're doing it again this year. We normally get like Pesach Krohn and Charlie O'Rari's it. Do you want to do you want to do this the halftime uh, you know uh, speech? You want to do? Oh baby! I said, let's just be clear here. I don't even know what game we're talking about. Let's just. <laughs> I don't. I'm coming in. I Brady. I'll tell you, Brady's the greatest. But let's just. So that was definitely a highlight of my Super Bowl. This wow. is something which I never ever anticipated. And you should. You know what the best part was? I'm saying this is all behind the beamer. He says. I mean, because of behind the beamer. Apparently, I I, I zoom bombed this little CM, and everyone was very excited to see me. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny because of your connection <laughs> with this show. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, so, that was my so I'll, I'll just bring up a comment from one of our avid listeners and a uh, great sponsor of Behind the Bima, Donnie Oppenheimer. In Yiddishkeit, we're all on the same team always. And I think that's a fair point. When it comes to trades, were there great trades and defections between yeshivas? And com- Could you imagine if everybody tights left Elizabeth? Can't happen. Are there great defections or trades? So Donnie says in Yiddishkeit, we're always all on the same team. We are on the uh, the same team of advancing God's interest, blueprint, vision for this world. And I like that attitude. I like that perspective. So that was uh, that was interesting, Rabbi Moskowitz, though, to see a flip-flop on that. I don't expect much hey, more. Hey, listen, I believe everyone could do tshuva. And I, if I'm changing my mind, I'm not going to be bashful about it. But again, I, I also want to reiterate, this is all in good fun. Obviously, sports are largely insignificant in the grand scheme of life. And, One second. And L- largely? Largely? <laughs> they are insignificant in the grand scheme of life. And it's just good fun. It was a great opportunity to spend time with my, my children. And uh, again, to, to lean into the irrational nature of sports fandom. Amazing. Can you guys hear me? No, you are frozen. And you are also yeah. from a different location, Rabbi Goldberg. I think this is a first time that you are behind the Bima Inc. from your office. I am. But you know what? You guys keep talking while I figure out why I'm frozen and why we're having a little technical difficulty there. A little technical difficulty. Rabbi Moskowitz, I can tell you, first of all, as soon as that Super Bowl started, I, I was already Googling because I could tell that, that opening commercial where you had this uh, 
this coach who turns out to be like the greatest coach in history. Did you watch the opening? What was his no, name? No, so we so we we don't do the commercials. Those aren't uh, those. No, aren't there wasn't a commercial. This was the yeah. opening of this was the opening of 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 the Super Bowl, where they have tell me who's the greatest coach NFL history. He's not alive. Bill he died in 19, no, nineteen seventy. Bill Belichick. No, I don't like know, that, Bill Belichick. Whatever, one of these guys. And they bring him back to life for like a commercial. He's giving this su- like such an inspirational speech. He's get. I said, I, I'm like so excited. The game didn't even start yet. They just pump you up. They get you so. And, and again, you don't watch the commercials. I watched the commercials. And I'll tell you something <laughs> that was actually very, very exciting about the commercials this year is the fact that they were so meaningful. Every commercial. Like, I guess the uh, whole point. Well, maybe move to the right. We, a little bit. <laughs> they were really trying to say that we could like pick it up. We can do it together. We can make we things happen. It is Josh and Philip <laughs> right now. For those who are listening on the podcast, we have extracted Rabbi Goldberg from behind the bima. Yeah. We have uh, we have thrown him out. It's just the two of us. And uh, but, but we're here. But it was a great game. I, I have to tell but you Brody, Do you want to speak about the picture that's behind you? You have a very special picture behind you. I do. I was actually I, there. I put this picture up and I'm wearing the special pin. I don't know if you could see it, you know, because we're cut off there. But right there. There you go. I you see know, you. Because, and I have my other pin here from, you know, when, we, when you and I, we both visited the mayor's office in, in uh, Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, right? We got one of these little pins because we have a special guest on tonight. And... As, as I'm sure you will bring up, you're going to tell him that he was part of an elite unit, you know, in the Israeli <laughs> army, just like everyone is. Well, just like everyone else, just, just like my, my daughter. So, you know, I figured no, maybe your daughter, give a, give a little nod. Maybe they, your, maybe they, your mother, to your maybe, in-laws, to Simone. What is your daughter doing in the Israeli army? She's actually not even in the Israeli army. I made that mistake by saying, when I tell people she's actually in the Israeli army, it's not the Israeli army. It's actually the Israeli air force. So as you can see, it's different colors. And you'll say, well, what's the Israeli Air Force? It was, I mean, she played first question. Does she fly a plane? She doesn't fly any planes, but she's involved in something much more exciting than that. And that's called the Iron Dome. So does she operate it? That's top secret. I can't tell you that. I mean, you have a lot of feedback on your end. Now we can't hear you. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yes. Welcome back. Okay, it's good to be back. I'm not sure what happened there. I came to this location to have the better Wi-Fi connection. Did we ever tell our listeners the story? Did we ever take them behind the bima on the story of the Challenger blowing up? We'll have to come back to that at one point and talk about that. Uh, talk about story. what it used to be like in, in that office with uh, when you had a dial-up. Correct. <laughs> Only one in, of us could be on the internet at a time. Back in the day. But without any further ado, I want to introduce our listeners to why so many have tuned in tonight. First of all, if you enjoy Behind the Bima each and every week, take a moment and go on brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. Do your part, give back, be counted in honor, in memory of someone. Uh, please take a moment and participate. It will enable and help us to be able to continue to uh, continue to provide the programming that we that we do. And uh, I'll just say something. I just saw a donation came in from me. We are and- joined. The, this, the yeah. reason they gave it specifically to me was to see if I, they, I can catch up to the other two rabbis on behind the beam. <laughs> Apparently, right. I'm falling I know. Behind. By the way, I'm going to get a lot of texts and emails later tonight. My eyes were all over the place. I was looking all over. Pay attention. It's rude. I'm trying to produce the producer and direct right. and get everything done <laughs> behind the scenes all while the technology is blowing up. And everyone's here to hear MK Naftali Bennett. So everyone knows Naftali Bennett even before we spend time with him uh, to give a little introduction uh, for those who don't, but most do, 
Uh, he led the Jewish Home Party from 2012 to 2018, currently serves as a member of Knesset for the New Right. He was the Minister of Diaspora Affairs, the Minister of the Economy, the Minister of Religious Services. He was uh, the Defense Minister. He served in the Army in elite units, for real, real elite units, as opposed to uh, so many others who referenced that they did. He was born in Haifa. He came to America for a short time, in fact, was my neighbor, which we'll talk about. He had a distinguished military career, started two high-tech companies that he sold each, let's just say, for enough that he could help our campaign, if any of us had the guts to ask him. But he sold two high-tech companies, one for $145 million and the other for... Uh, some other astronomical figure got back into his politics, uh, represented the uh, Yehuda Vishomron movement, and uh, really, really amazing individual who's had a very illustrious career. In fact, uh, very recently, the Yamina chair, Naftali Bennett, um, as we said, he's also a prime minister, a uh, candidate for prime minister. The ICC, which is the International Court, recently came out saying that they were going to try in the Hague, they were going to International Criminal Court, they were going to try Israeli soldiers for war crimes. And he put out a beautiful video saying he took out this document from his pocket and he talked about every Israeli soldier. And uh, he stood up and he said, "Take me first. So there are so many reasons to admire and to love Naftali Bennett, a real uh, leader. Whether you agree with his politics, or you don't agree with his politics, but you have to agree with his service and leadership to the Jewish people and be grateful." for it, and we are so grateful for the opportunity to be able to welcome him to Behind the Bima. We are joined by former Defense Minister, Minister of the Diaspora, Minister of so many other areas, and current uh, candidate for Prime Minister, a dear friend from many years ago, Naftali Bennett. Thank you so much for giving your time to us. It's really a great honor to be able to be together. Thank you so much. It's uh, great to be here, Rabbi Ephraim. I just need to tell uh, all, all the listeners right now that uh, I, I still call him Ephraim. Uh, this was about 40 years ago. We were the closest neighbors and uh, our, our moms were were and are best friends. And uh, I saw Ephraim you know, as a little, little uh, kid and uh, you've done well. Well, sir. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, we both uh, we both had a little bit more hair back then, and we had a lot of fun on the school bus to Yavna Academy. Yeah. And come a long time, and been come a long way since then. So I want to jump right in and ask you because I want to take advantage of all of our time together. And thank you for your kind words. Um, when your parents and when your family, and of course your father of blessed memory and your amazing mother, when they were on Shlichut, when you were in America. When you spent time there, both as a child and then when you were married and came back to America, how did that time in America shape your experiences, both as an entrepreneur in high tech, in politics? Did being the son of Olim impact you on your rise in the army, in business, in, in leadership, in politics? How did that time in America impact your leadership in Israel? Well, I... Uh... You know, being in America back, uh, this was uh, 79 to 81, uh, was a, a meaningful experience for me. Uh, I, only when I was in America did I fully learn to appreciate how great it is to be Israeli, to have a, a, a state where everyone around is Jewish. Uh, it's got some challenges on that one, but uh, really to, to, uh, I missed Israel very much when it was uh, in Tinek. Uh, Tinek back then was not yet Israel. Ever since we annexed Tinek a few years ago. Um, so, so, so it, it was very meaningful, especially in terms of uh, strengthening my understanding how important it is to, to have a strong Jewish identity. 
the fact that uh, my mom uh, and dad uh, were olim was also a profounding from from my perspective we uh, embedded the uh, take all of this for granted uh, they were always they had a ein tova a good eye they were always positive they always uh, appreciated the fact that, uh, that there's this amazing state Understanding all the problems that they encountered, they never quetched about it. Uh, uh, my dad, may rest in peace, uh, Jim Bennett, uh, really taught us uh, by, by personal example uh, the, the, the value of self-reliance, American value, where government to solve all your problems, yourself in, in and and the uh, problems that's Never did I hear in my uh, um, complaints about about the state of Israel. They were forever uh, in felt uh, in debt, and and the, that that was one thing. And the second uh, unique uh, uh, trait: fight for what you believe in, which in, again you know exists everywhere. But it's um, something I, I think that they brought from America. My, my dad and mom grew up. Uh, Secular, totally secular in, in San Francisco in, in the 50s and 60s. My dad was, in fact, arrested at a civil rights uh, a demonstration at a hotel in, in uh, San Francisco that would not admit uh, uh, African Americans. I'm very proud of him. My same dad went to demonstrations in Israel against uh, giving up of Israel during Oslo. So, uh, I, and, and what we see here is that. You know the the dichotomy where typically if you're right wing you can't be for civil rights. No, no, you can be right wing, which means Eretz Israel, Am Israel, Torah Israel, and also care about um, human. There's a contradiction there. So bottom line is take yourself. Don't expect anything from anyone. Fight for what you believe in. Yeah, and and certainly the uh, impact of of the Holocaust and who your mom lost in the Holocaust, obviously very much informed and inspired um, the very traits that you just you just described. I want to ask you the next question as as do you surge in the polls for to become the next prime minister of Israel and could be the very first one wearing a kippah? That's an enormous statement. Someone who's dati, somebody who's religious, someone who embraces Torah and, and wears a kippah unabashedly, unapologetically in public. It's an enormous, enormous statement. And I think our listeners want to know, we all want to know, how does your Judaism and how does that commitment to Torah and to a Jewish life inform what you do? How did it inform your rise and your success in business? And even more, how does it inform as a politician the decisions you make and the way that you navigate politics and the vision you have for the future of Israel? How does your Judaism and your relationship to Torah inform and inspire that? Well, first of all, um, thanks for the intro here. I'm not yet surging in all, so I'll just uh, correct you on that one, but we will. Very soon we're going to surge. Uh, having said that, the, the fact that this is the first time in, in Israel's history that a, a Dati, a, a modern Orthodox person, is, is running for prime ministership, first of all, probably on a political basis, it's it's not an asset, I would say. To be to be fair, you know, people are still afraid of it, etc. But being a, 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 a deep believer in Am Israel and Torah Israel, 
um, has a huge influence on, on me. Um, first of all, I, I view bless the state of Israel, the beginning of, of the Geula. Uh, I, I, I think Israel is a miracle. I think it's a, a, a divine miracle uh, where human and Hashem uh, have to work together. I'm a very practical person. I, I, uh, I'm a big believer in uh, which means, you know, don't think that all the is on you, but that doesn't release you from putting in all your effort. So I, I would say that's the main area that, that it's very helpful. I work 24, seven, well, six uh, or seven as defense minister, work for seven uh, attacking and defending the, the Jewish state. That, that was, uh, and, and I hope very soon to uh, return to a place where, where I can uh, defend my country. Um, and I do everything I can. I work really hard and put in all my neshama. But I also know that, you know, you can all, you do everything you can, but then I have bitachon and Hashem. Bitachon and Hashem doesn't mean that all will be okay. We know Jewish history, certainly of the past 100 years, not always is everything okay. But what is bitachon Hashem? From my perspective, it's what does happen is from Hashem. So here on earth, we have to work as hard as we can to build a strong Jewish state, strong Jewish identity, to strengthen the to ensure that we don't give up one centimeter of land of the state of Israel ever, to ensure that, that our next generation understands why we're here. So we do and build a strong, vibrant uh, economy. That's my high tech. And then means, you know, you do what you can, but not always do things uh, work the way you want, but just know it's uh, the, the rest is from Hashem. You've, you've shown um, recent great leadership uh, standing up to the ICC, the International Court, who claim that they're going to, uh, uh, they're going to take an Israeli army to trial and soldiers uh, for violating international law. And you said, put me at the top of that list was tremendous courage. It's uh, just one more example of your, of your leadership and, and uh, your past army service and your current leadership. My colleague Rabbi Moskowitz has a question about that. Yeah, no, first of all, thank you so much for uh, joining us. You know, it's funny, every time I speak to someone in Israel, I get the feeling that they, they introduce themselves by saying they're an elite member of the IDF. But you actually were an elite member of the IDF, trained and fought as part of Sayeret Makal, Maglan commando units. And I was wondering if you could share with our listeners, what are some of the most enduring lessons that you learned fighting in those commando units? And how did fighting in those units prepare you for Israeli politics? <laughs> well, the the latter of the question is, is interesting, but uh, yes, I, I had the huge uh, the the huge school to to fight quite literally to defend my family. You know, it li lives in Haifa, and when I fight Hezbollah in in Lebanon, I know I said quite literally when I. Uh, take down a rocket launcher in Lebanon, 
mom in Haifa. So it's very personal for me. First thing is always be on the attack. Don't let up for a moment. I, I, I recall in the 90s, when I, in, in 1995, I, I was, uh, I think, number one in, in the IDF and in, in the number of terrorists that, that I uh, neutralized. Um, you know, we're in political correct terms right now. I took, you know, we killed a lot of uh, Hizat terrorists. And what I know, when we came in and had a, a sort of a massive uh, uh, continuation of ongoing operations on the uh, uh, offense, they, they had no time to, to, you know, raise their heads and, and think how to hurt us. Whereas when we uh, cloistered and sort of, you know, went on the defensive, it only encouraged them to, uh, to hurt us. So it, it, it's sort of a paradox, but the more you want to defend your people, the more uh, initiative you need to take. I'm, I'm not saying scores or anything of that sort, but always be on top of it. Chazal uh, said, he who wants to kill you, uh, you need to uh, uh, proceed him by, by killing him. That's, that's what Chazal said. I'm a huge believer. I saw it. I saw it in Lebanon. Uh, that, that's number one. And the second thing is always be innovative. Always surprise. Never go the, the you know, straight route because they're waiting for you. So always the indirect. Um, and, and, and that's vital. Um, I don't want to compare it to Israeli politics. While while I, I, uh, I certainly have opponents, they're not enemies. Um, and, 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 you know, I, something I, I want to say, especially in, in this uh, era of uh, elections, and Israel's got the world record in our fourth elections in, in two years, but my left one from Sayyidka less patriotic than I am, and they're not enemy friends, mistaken friends, albeit, but friends. Um, and, and they don't have a monopoly on, on um, you know, the desire for peace, uh, the, the respect for human dignity. We all want good. We differ on the ways. And I am not willing to resort to this uh, hate uh, uh, rhetoric, which sometimes exists, not, not, not in the streets, by the way, only politicians and media. So it's, 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 it's fake. I don't know what's going on in America. It, doesn't look that great, but here in Israel, the the polarization actually is not as bad as it's less uh, down in the field. There's not much hate, but up in, in politics and media, it's out. It seems that there is. It, it's funny that you describe that because I'll never forget um, being at an oh. APAC APAC conference for rabbis. And I think it was Bougie Herzog who had addressed us right before you came on. And the two of you passed but in front of the room and you embraced one another and you smiled and you exchanged and each of you were so warm in describing the other and I think more or as important than anything either of you said having to do with policy or politics was simply to model that you could have different vision for what Israel needs to do but we're brothers we're family and that love was on display and we certainly all need need more of that I know your time is very limited I hope we have time for one more question my colleague Rabbi Brody has for you Thank you so much. It's so great to see you. 
Just uh, curious, you know, what is your vision, not only for Israel, but for the Israel diaspora relationship, something that you as minister uh, obviously know very well? Do uh, diaspora Jews have a right to an opinion on Israeli policies? And do Israelis have the right to opinions about the future of diaspora Jewry? Big question. Um, I'll start with the bottom line. We cannot give up on That's the bottom line. And sisters, and no way, I, I, I'm, I'm acutely cognizant of, of, of the challenge, especially the unorthodox generation where, where there's a, a true chasm young liberal Jews who are much different their opinions on Israel, knowledge with the younger Israeli generation, which tends to be conservative. It's very interesting. In, in the entire West, the younger gen tends to be more liberal left-wing, whereas in Israel, the younger generation is, is more conservative and, and right-wing. I think a lot has to do with, with the reality on ground here, where you know we, we try out the other way and it didn't really work. Notwithstanding this huge challenge, I think the bottom give up on each other. The refers to the people and if we don't take action moves lose a lot and we have to figure out how to create dialogue talk 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 listen actually we should listen more than talk which is very un-Israeli um but I don't have the, the precise uh, uh, solution. All I know is that I'm not giving up. And if both sides decide to not give up, then we're, we're going to figure it out. We, we certainly, we're in a new era. The Holocaust was now what, what seems to younger generations in, in uh, almost history, even though, you know, we're at the very last years when we can meet a Holocaust survivor who still can talk to us and, and who was, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, aware of, of, of himself during the Holocaust, they're not going to last long. The Holocaust cannot be the defining uh, uh, a glue of the Jewish people. The Jewish state was founded, uh, um, indeed, because of, of secure needs, of the existential needs of the Jewish people before the Holocaust. But Herzl's vision was one of a survival-based Zionism. They said, you know, it's not working out in the diaspora. They're gonna, something bad's going to happen. We need a, a Jewish state. And only we found one three years after the Holocaust. But a shelter, man, that's not a good enough vision. <laughs> that, that cannot, you know... How inspiring is a shelter? And if we're looking for safe places, sometimes, you know, I think about Perth in Australia is, is, is a fairly safe place with very good ports. I, I wouldn't necessarily choose Israel. So the, the, the defining mission statement of the Jewish people uh, um, is indeed, uh, uh, you know, building uh, 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 and fixing the world the liberal direction to the, the, the uh, conservative direction, 
All I know is that we need to be a, a beautiful Jewish uh, state, a vibrant democracy that connects to Jews around the world. We need to figure out the degree of, of mutual influence. From my perspective, uh, when Bezrat Hashem, I become Prime Minister of Israel, I'm going to have two hats. I'm the leader of all Jewish citizens, Jews and non-Jews alike, and I'm responsible, all of them equally, but I'm also the leader of all Jews in the world because Israel belongs to you. It belongs to you. Should you be able to influence it? The reason here is no, no. Should you have some degree of influence? Yes. Where do we meet in the, I don't know, let's talk. So I, I, I want to thank you so much for this uh, unique opportunity, Rabbi Goldberg. Uh, and I, I just want to tell you one, one last thing. Um, sometimes it's tough in, in, in this weird neighborhood where we've got all these people who want to kill us. It's weird. You don't look over uh, uh, in Mexico and see people who want to kill you. Or uh, Typically, people don't want to kill each other. Well. Much of our neighbors do, yet in this very uh, uh, difficult uh, environment, we're thriving. And I know how much you care about the state of Israel. And uh, on behalf of, of uh, myself and, and uh, you know, the people of Israel, just want to thank all, all the members of uh, the congregation uh, in Boca Raton uh, for your ongoing support. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for giving your time. We know how valuable it is. And while okay. Behind the Beam, behind the so beam is an apolitical show, we don't endorse candidates, but I'll go out on a limb when it comes to a childhood friend saying, we cannot wait for the day that we welcome Prime Minister Bennett to visit Boca Raton Synagogue, to bring our delegation to Israel to visit you as Prime Minister. Thank you for your courage, your heroism, your leadership, your vision, your sacrifice. My last question, uh, Naftali, you may not believe it, but I have a grandson in Israel. My children and my grandson live in Israel. When am I going to be able to see them? When will Americans, when will non-citizens be able to come to Israel? We're desperate to be able to go. About 30 days after I'm prime minister. <laughs> okay. You heard it right here. Exclusive. It's a deal. It's a deal, and we hope to see you there. Thank you for giving your time. It means the world to us. We wish you and your family well, and please send love to your mother, and my parents send their love. Thank you so much. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a special opportunity. Well, I will say this to begin with. First of all, here's a behind the beam a rule for everybody: the higher the profile guest, the worse the Wi-Fi they'll the likely wifi. have. <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just the bottom line. It's just the bottom line. I don't really understand it, but um, you know, we tried to organize things. We're so grateful for the opportunity. You can imagine that. Uh, Member of Knesset Bennett is a very, very busy man. We actually uh, were unable to connect with him at 4 a.m., so we did record it just a little bit earlier uh, and incorporate it into the show. And we had those technology diffi technological difficulties. There was nothing we could do about it. But we cleaned up the sound. Thank you to my dear friend Matthew Miller for always help, his help in this and so much else. And um, ignoring the uh, technological glitches, uh, focusing more on what he said, it's just really, really powerful. I mean, to have somebody in, in that level of leadership and who is aspiring for the highest level of leadership in Israel, whether he'll get there or not, 
uh, will only uh, be seen. But for him to talk about bitachon and to define it the same way as the chazonish, to really define bitachon is not that everything works out the way we want, but however it works out is the way it's meant to be, his devotion to the Jewish people. I love his commitment to say that um, his opponents on the other side don't is- love Israel or the Jewish people any less than he does. He says they gravely mistaken, but they don't mistaken. love Israel any less. <laughs> and um, I really admire that. So that, that's what I took away from our conversation was his commitment to the Jewish people. Um, and again, whatever one's views are, whether you agree or disagree, but that uh, we can all acknowledge the passion, the love, the loyalty to Israel uh, equally. That was really a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that Bitachon, he was unapologetic about uh, wearing a kippah and uh, standing for religion and incorporating that in. And uh, it really, really moved me. What, what did you take away, both of you? Well, obviously, kippahs have been in the news a lot this week of uh, religious people who uh, either are or not wearing kippahs and drinking cups of water. But uh, but yes, all of the above. I found it incredibly inspiring when he spoke about his service, when he spoke about how, you know, when he's in Sayeret Makal, it doesn't matter whether the guy's liberal or right wing. It doesn't matter. You're all fighting for the state of of Israel. Um, I found, to me, I got goosebumps when... You know, Rabbi Brody, your question about the relationship between diaspora Jews and Jews living in Israel, and he's, he's used the words, it belongs to you, right? He says, it belongs to us and it belongs to you. And uh, for some reason, those words sound very powerful because I think sometimes American Jews don't feel that as much that Israel belongs to us, that we are stakeholders in it. We might be minor stakeholders in it because we don't put ourselves on the line and we don't send our children to the army and because we're not there with boots on the ground. But, uh, but I, I do agree with him wholeheartedly. We are part of Am Yisrael. We are part of the Jewish people. And therefore, we have a stake in the land of Israel. And I found that very powerful. And uh, while it sounds very nice to say that on Behind the Bema, you and I both know the challenges of what that relationship and dynamic look like practically are actually uh, very challenging as well. I thought so too, Rabbi Brody. That was a great question. And I agree with you about his you, answer. It is a, it's a fascinating topic and, and really one we could unpack much more and, and be interesting to hear other perspectives on. You know, there are those, he said something fascinating. He said, when I'm prime minister, I will wear two hats. He, he meant to say, I'm the Israeli prime minister for Jews and non-Jews alike, but I'm also a leader for Jews around the world. And I know there are many, particularly from other denominations, who really disagree with that and who are very turned off by that, that just because you're elected prime minister of Israel does not, in fact, make you a representative. In fact, historically, early on in the state, that was a source of great controversy because it was actually Jewish organizations in America, some of the most prominent among the alphabet soup of Jewish organizations that were very opposed to what Israel did in capturing Eichmann and trying him in Israel. They felt Israel has no right to pretend that they speak on behalf of Jews everywhere. They're not. They are a state in the Middle East, and Jews live there, but they don't represent Jews everywhere. And there are organizations that we know, admire, and love today who you'd be shocked to learn were critical publicly of Israel at the time for doing that. And there are those today who think Israel doesn't have a right to say they represent Jews, and no prime minister of Israel can say he's a leader of Jews. On the other hand, where I say he's right and why I agree with him is, as a Jew, I know that if I were in trouble anywhere in the world, the state of Israel would come to my defense. state of Israel has. How many countries has it gone to to not only relief for crises, but airlifted Jews and taken care of Jews? So as Jews, we know wherever we are in the world, and we can't have it both ways. If we want to be able to rely on the loyalty of Israel to rescue and save us wherever we are, then we should recognize also that there is an element of their representing us. And so it's a, it's a complicated dynamic. How much American Jews should have a right to, you know, he said obviously different than citizens who serve in the army and who pay taxes. They're the ones who get to vote in Israel, but diaspora Jews definitely are stakeholders in Israel. But Israel is also stakeholders in diaspora Jewry wherever we are. You remember the campaign they did 
a mistaken campaign. They took out billboards in Florida right. telling Israelis to come home, which did not go well. Right. But it's interesting. Rabbi Brody, what's, what's your take? Yeah, I, I think also there's a very big difference between 2021 and 1948. I mean, for the first time in, let's just say, a couple thousand years, there are more Jews now living in Israel than anywhere else. So one could argue that, yeah, they really do actually represent just by virtue of the numbers, they do represent the worldwide right. Jewish community. But and that's just my opinion. But I, no, it's interesting because I'll, I'll say something that's going to be controversial, which is that I think this conversation would be very different if you had Eric Olet on the conversation. I think they would feel very strongly in a different way. They would feel that diaspora Jews have less of a voice, that unless you put your money where your mouth is, you come to Israel, yeah. you're willing to send your children to the army, you don't get a say in our politics. And I also think, by the way, if we had a different... Um, members of other denominations of, of religious leadership, I think they would feel very different about that as well. Their relationship to Israel um, may be a little bit different than ours in terms of the access that they have, in terms of um, how they feel Israel has afforded them religious opportunities and things like that. So, you know, recognize that we're somewhat of a homogeneous group here, and I wonder how the conversation would be different sure. if, uh, if other people were involved in it. Yeah, of course. That's what we said. It's it, it's complicated, and definitely the other denominations and others would would see it differently. But they're not on behind the beam tonight. We are, so we're, right. we're giving <laughs> you know we're giving our opinion of of what we think, um, and we'll hear more opinions because actually in the next uh, few weeks, Rabbi Josh Fast, the founder of Nefesh Benefesh, and a dear friend of ours from Boca Raton and beyond, is going to be a guest, um, awesome. and we'll we'll be interested to hear somebody who's dedicating his life now to bringing diaspora Jews to Israel. That dynamic and that relationship is a, is a fascinating question. But I like to hear yeah. him say that explicitly. He was he was not apologetic or hesitant to say um, say things both from the perspective of, of unity, of when he talked about not giving up one inch of Israel, when he wears a yarmulke. Uh, absolutely. And let's transition with that to what was in the news a lot. Um, perhaps, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I just want to just say one one quick thing. You know, today we had a, a really special opportunity to hear from one of the international leaders of Birthright. And he was telling us where they are and where they hope to be. He says he had a conversation with Naftali Bennett about 10 years ago. Now, obviously, I knew we had this conversation yesterday. And he said, you know, when you, he says to Naftali, he says, you know, you got it wrong in one place. He says, you can't keep talking about the Holocaust. You can't keep defining the future of Jew, Judaism by, by the past. So he says, you got to talk about the future. You got to talk to the kids Who's about the Which future. one? Who said that to So whom? this is Dr. Raviv telling Naftali, you can't keep uh -huh. talking about the Holocaust. So I said, we just heard him. We just did an interview with him. And all he was doing was saying, you can't talk about the past. You got to talk right. about the future. He says, I've right. never heard a politician actually listen to anything I said. So uh, we're so excited. <laughs> there you go. It's, yeah. We can credit behind uh, behind the Bima. Uh, first go. of all, again, big thank you to our sponsor, dailygiving.org, an opportunity to be able to give a dollar a day or more. Make giving stuck a part of your regular uh, habit and routine at dailygiving.org. And we continue to run our brsonline.org slash global. Uh, where else can you tune in and hear Naftali Bennett, Rav Moshe Weinberger, um, Ted and Josh Jill Brody. Deutsch, Josh Brody, Modi, <laughs> Sholem Lemmer, Simcha Liner. One second. Had, I, I, uh, ben Brofman. Keep going. I got the, I got the Prime Minister on the, on the phone right now. He wants to know if you can come next week. <laughs> you guys we are coming up actually on uh, um, 40 episodes of Behind wow. the Bima. And, are we almost uh, we ready for out, season three? On, yeah, I don't know exactly. You know, I was having this debate. I wonder if our listeners could weigh in because uh, somebody who's helping me with uh, listing and, and putting this all together, um, we listed as seasons, right? We finished season one, season. this is season two, episode 19. And the question is, is there a benefit to seasons? 
When you listen to podcasts, are they labeled as seasons? Or like Tim Ferriss is up to number 382. Do you just uh-huh. go straight and give it a number and people know what number to look for or they know who your guest was and that's how they identify it? We are still novices in this arena. But Although still- I will say, I will say that other Jewish podcasters when they mention online, let's just say earlier today, that they're trying to climb the ladder of Jewish podcasting, they reference trying to compete with Behind the Bema. So even though we're in our infancy and we are three rabbis with full-time jobs trying to figure this out as we go, somehow people still see us as the uh, the ones to catch on the podcasting. And you can help us by whatever podcast player you're listening to, rate and review. If you're on YouTube, subscribe and like, and you will help us continue to get these messages of of unity and of love, of light, of Torah, of faith. Uh, You'll help us spread that around around the world. I just want to mention we're running this uh, campaign for the people who are benefiting and loving it. I want to be able to shout out and thank some of the people who are donating right now live during Behind the Bima, and you can too. Go on brsonline.org slash global, or if you're watching on that site, just hit donate, and we'll be happy to acknowledge you. So Barry Weiss, who's donated to his friend Rabbi Brody, Rabbi Goldberg, Rabbi Moskowitz, thank you so much. We've got a very nice donation from a descendant of Rav Meir Pramishlan, who doesn't even Amazing. identify herself any more than that. For Rabbi Brody from Yair Myers, all the way from Montreal, probably shivering Montreal. in the snow. Montreal, all They're over. Tuning in, we've got, they love us. We've got Micha and Ahuva Holzer with gratitude to Rabbi Blumenthal and Beerus West. Uh, friends from Teaneck, David and Susan Rosenbaum. We've got uh, in honor of Rabbi David Shabtai from Joseph, the artist known simply as Joseph. We've wow. got uh, we've That's got donors from all over. So please press donate. We're happy to acknowledge you tonight during the show and beyond. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your help. We appreciate your ability. Able- Enabling, uh, your enabling, 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 <laughs> enabling us to be able. His to Wi-Fi doesn't job. work in his vocabulary. <laughs> well, let me ask you: Do you, is it, I'm saying, is this a podcast or a TV show? Like TV shows, you said have seasons. We're so much more than a podcast. It's not just on the, you know, something you well, tune in to listen to. There are podcasts that are in seasons as well. Okay. I'm not clear, but I will transition that. Uh, so this is one of the one of the um, greatest. Um, legal cases of all time taking place right now in Washington, which we are an apolitical show, so we will absolutely not comment on in either direction and do not try to extrapolate from that anything about us. We're just apolitical. We don't talk about that. But what made the headlines last night, what lit Twitter and the internet up, was that former president's uh, lawyer, David Schoen, who many people have reached out to say that they're friendly with them and Whoa. know him. We should bring um, him on made the decision not to wear his yarmulke in the Senate for the hearing, for the trial or the pre-trial. And uh, however, when he went to take a sip of his cup of water, he put his hand on his head, as many religious Jews do by instinct. And Twitter lit up. My favorite comment was all the people, obviously unfamiliar with what was happening, wondering why is Trump's lawyer holding his head? Is he afraid it's going to fall off while he drinks? He's holding on to his toupee that he doesn't realize he doesn't have on. Yeah, so what, what is he holding on to? Is he trying to keep his head in place? So, question, you know, Naftali Bennett, not afraid to wear that yarmulke, obviously very different circumstance. He's a leader in the state of Israel, although he pointed out that there is a price to pay for wearing a yarmulke, even as you're trying to rise in the state of Israel. So, what, what do you think? You know, not wearing a yarmulke, my father didn't wear a yarmulke at work. He worked in corporate America for many years, and he didn't wear a yarmulke because you didn't get a job or you couldn't uh, get ahead if you wore a yarmulke. My father-in-law was a physician. He didn't wear a yarmulke in uh, certainly... Uh, most of the years of his of his practice. Uh, you think things are different today? Can the observant Jew mm. wear a yarmulke without consequence today? Would it have made a difference if he was in the Senate with a yarmulke? Would the senators and would America, would the public have looked differently at him if he was wearing the yarmulke? 
Mm. You know, it's interesting because like you, uh, my father was a physician, didn't wear a yarmulke to work, but he was very Jewish and very proud of it. So for example, to this day, I meet former colleagues, former students, and they don't speak about his medicine. It's really interesting. They speak about his Judaism and how much he spoke mm. about his Judaism. So he clearly wasn't embarrassed about it. He wasn't ashamed by it. Um, you know, it, I can't really speak about it. I've never been in that situation, right? I mean, a job I've ever had has been in a religious environment where obviously I wear a yarmulke. I can never dream of going anywhere without a yarmulke. In fact, I was once in Germany with uh, YU. Um, a group of Smicha students were brought over by the German government, actually, for 10 days to Germany. And one of the things we were not allowed to do was wear a yarmulke. We were allowed to wear hats. We were not allowed to wear a yarmulke. Um, and I felt very strange about it. It was really the first time in my life that I had been told that I'm not allowed to wear a yarmulke because I will be judged um, because of it. So I've never really been in that position. I've never been in corporate America. I've never gone into the office with my boss and explained to him about right. the Yom Tovim and there's something called Shmini Atzeris also. So it's a little complicated for me to, to really weigh in on that. But did you have yeah. sympathy for him on the bracha? I mean, we've all been in airports where we had to daven, or you're coming out of a bathroom in a public place and you want to make an asha yatsar, or you're eating with people who are not going to make a bracha, and you're trying to, you know, you do the whole little mumble. Right. Today, the greatest <laughs> gift that we have is the cell phone, because you could stand at the corner of an airport or anywhere from Mincha, you just hold the phone up. And, yeah, you used you know, to have to look, look for a phone, phone booth. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Today, yeah. it's even, you know, we're wearing AirPods. Two out of three of us are wearing AirPods for those listening and not watching. And today, you could be walking down the street, someone's talking, you think they're talking to you, right. and they're wearing AirPods. So the idea of people talking and looking like they're talking to themselves is now normal in the world. So it makes it less, uh, draws less attention when you're davening. But did you have any sympathy or empathy for him in terms of that, whether he was making that bracha for or drinking? For sure, of course. And, and we've actually spoken about this. I gave a drush about it once that I find it very difficult to daven in airports. Um, I'm very self-conscious of it, even though, again, I'm a proud Jew and I, I'm not embarrassed about anything, but I find it hard to concentrate and I find it um, difficult to dive in in airports. So I, found, I felt enormous sympathy for him and I understood the tension that he felt when he was doing what he was doing. I liked, you know, I was following Twitter, some of the, also Jay Tapper uh, was trying to keep people in about what a yamaka and how maybe he was being reflexive and just naturally he goes like that. Maybe he was he even posted from like yeshiva.org that right. maybe he was relying on the opinion that you could use your hand, but it was really fun to watch everyone clear about <laughs> why that piece of the sleeve. <laughs> Maybe we should get Jake Tapper for the afternoon call at Boca Raton Synagogue. I want to thank Aaron <laughs> Miller for a donation in honor of Matthew Miller, who is our tech whiz. Thank you, Matthew, for all that you do. Wow. Cindy Schreier and family, thank you, Cindy, for the friendship, for the support. And uh, we thank everybody who is helping us continue our mission, and they are participating and joining our BRS global community. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting, the question of, uh, of the Yamaka Kiddush Hashem, Chilal Hashem, which way he should have went. We're not in that in that circumstance. Yeah, I will, many while people... we're talking about... We're talking about just, BRS Global and the opportunity to learn together. I'll point out in the afternoon cola, we have four afternoons a week at BRS. We have the uh, Dr. Yitzchak Belazan Beis Medrash of the Bokerton Synagogue, the Beis Medrash of BRS. We have a men's afternoon cola four afternoons a, a week, a really robust program. We have a women's midrashah, the Danny Grejar al-Shalom women's midrashah of BRS. So in the afternoon cola last year, I gave a series of shirim on the question of wearing a yarmulke in the workplace. I got to dig that up online. You could watch it. Uh, I don't think it's on YouTube, but it's on RabbiEfremGolberg.org and YUtorah.org, and um, and you can hear more about that question about wearing the yarmulke in the workplace. I share that not to flex that I gave the shear or to try to invite you to listen, but as an example of what BRS is trying to provide the public, people are listening all over the globe, and so we ask you to join the global community. Rabbi Brody, what were you saying? What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fast on. I was actually just Must thinking, as, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I remember when I was in Israel, I've got a great yarmulke story, 
where I used to go learn once a week at Rev Tzvi Kishalevsky's with Akiva Resnick, right? We used to go, I used to have a little, uh, little chavrusa. I didn't know what he was talking about either during that time. Like, it was great. We had a great time together. My hair was very, very long, Shana Aleph. And I didn't want to be disrespectful in Rev Tzvi's, so I bought a keep. It was probably a little bigger than yours, Rabbi Goldberg. It really covered <laughs> a lot of my, like most of my, most of my head. And I remember there was a guy right behind me and he says, I've always wondered for the last couple of months, you come here, I said, you have another yarmulke under that yarmulke? <laughs> I pulled it off, I had another one. The smaller, another, like the regular the one. Double, the double I had a yarmulke. double, I put a double yarmulke on. Somebody but, made, I don't know if this is a compliment or an insult or what it represents, but someone made a Twitter handle uh, of a picture of the top of my bald head with my yarmulke and named it um, like Rabbi Goldberg's yarmulke or something and tweets I don't know what they're trying to tweet from it. I don't know who did it or what they're trying to accomplish or whether I should be. One second. Uh, Are you kidding me? There's tweets you coming out. That? No. You see that? My, my yarmulke is tweeting. So I can't take my yarmulke <laughs> off. Otherwise, that Twitter handle gets silenced. Uh, we got a new uh, just coming in from Skokie, Illinois, from <laughs> Chicago. Thank you, Lisa and Ed. Never miss the show. Hope to see Rabbi and Mrs. Brody at another restaurant someday soon. I don't thank know who that you. Is. Lisa and Ed from Skokie. We met so, them at, uh, at, at one of our local restaurants. They're great fans of the show. Yeah. There's yeah. consequence. You know, these comments are coming in. Again, our friend uh, Donnie Oppenheimer getting a lot of play tonight. I wear my keep on court, but it's coming across with the judges and jurors saying things are treating me differently. And Jerry Schiffman also adds, I wear, I agree, I worked for the city of New York as an assistant commissioner. I also wore my yarmulke. However, because I always wore it, I was held on a higher level than my coworkers. So some people might be inclined to not wear the yarmulke, not because they think that they'll be held back or they'll be held against them, but because they don't yeah, want to have to, not, they don't want to have to live up to that, yeah, let me, that standard. Let me, let me tell you, I, on the winter vacation, I, there were a bunch of people. I wish they weren't wearing a yarmulke. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm I was ready to take that yarmulke and say, "Take it off. You're embarrassing me. Embarrassing yeah, all of us." Sometimes we wish here. people wouldn't. Yeah. Sometimes we wish people would not be. How do you really feel, Rabbi Brody? <laughs> yeah, the Kiddush Hashem and Chil Hashem components are, uh, are complicated. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, let, let's talk Kiddush Hashem for a second, because I want to talk about DailyGiving.org. Um, which I, I'm site. enamored by. No, no, I, not only are they the sponsors for tonight, and I happen to be Mishpacha with one of the founders of it, but it happens to be a great story. And you read a little bit about the numbers. Not you, you happen to read a little bit about the numbers of it, but what I find amazing, it's just two guys. It's two guys who want to figure that. out a way to be able to give tzedakah every single day. And some days they were able to make minions, some days they weren't, some days they had a dollar right. in their pocket, some right. days they didn't, and they felt bad they couldn't have tzedakah. And they said, there's got to be a way that we can guarantee that no matter where we are and what we're doing, we're always going to be giving a little bit of charity every single day. And I remember when he approached me in the infancy of it, and he was discussing the idea and telling me about what he was doing, and it was a very small idea. And when you were saying those numbers, it's another example, Rabbi Goldberg, of what you speak about all the time, which is that with a good idea, you can accomplish anything. No, that really with a good idea, you can accomplish anything. If you put your mind to something, you can make an enormous sure. impact organization. And that certainly adds up. What they're doing is add up to a lot of impact. I will add in from my wife uh, that the mask is also perfect for that. When you are in public places, it used to be you came out of a bathroom, you had to make an Asha Yatsar. And, you know, Asha Yatsar, ah. as they say, is not Tfilis Aderach. You shouldn't make it while you're walking around. Stand still, take the 30 seconds, and recognize the incredible gift you have that everything in the plumbing is all working. So right. today, the, that's one of the benefits of the mask. You could be making a bracha, you could uh, be davening, and nobody knows what's happening underneath that mask. The mask has very few benefits. Can't wait to get rid of it and be able to exchange smiles and energy again. But uh, one of the benefits of the mask is to be able to to be able to uh, do that. So that is a benefit. Also, our fact checker tells us that 
Um, number one, seasons make sense because they're when they're thematic or they're timed for certain times, which I guess we're neither of those. So our fact checker would agree that we do not need to have seasons. But he also reminds us, the fact checker, we had the most prominent regular yarmulke wearer in the USA on our show. And our fact checker is not necessarily an enormous fan of his, but he is acknowledging that it is the most prominent yarmulke wearer in the entire United States of America. Who are we talking about? But even about? that was controversial. If you remember, Modi was not such a fan of that individual's yarmulke, if you recall back to, I think it was like our third episode where Modi went off a little bit on, on that right. guest. Um, and even that yeah, was we controversial. We can acknowledge him, love or hate his politics, love or even hate his style. But Ben Shapiro wears a yarmulke on the air, quotes Torah references and Torah values. Again, some will say, like Rabbi Berta, you said about the people on vacation, they wish he weren't wearing it. I think uh, certainly it's a, a net good in the uh, in, in representing uh, values, at least of, of Torah. And whichever way you cut it, it takes guts, it takes courage. It's easier to take it off, but to leave it on takes uh, takes courage and brings a, a target of responsibility that you are going to be a spokesperson, whether you want it or not. So that is, uh, that is interesting. We are uh, heading to wrapping up to uh, one of our most interesting episodes with perhaps Israel's next or future Prime Minister, Naftali wow. Bennett. A really amazing conversation, and we're so grateful to uh, Naftali Bennett. In fact, I checked with a contact in Israel. I said, you know, in America, if somebody used to be a secretary in the cabinet, you call them secretary 30 years after they're out of office. Congressman, you call them congressman 30 years out of office. You know, so Naftali Bennett today is a member of Knesset. He's not a minister anymore. Do I refer to him as Minister Bennett? So the person left at me said, He's Naftali. Naftali. <laughs> in Israel, like there is no... Oh, he's Bibi. They no, call the Prime Minister Bibi. Oh, yeah, correct. So he's like, Naftali. You call him Naftali. <laughs> so, I, you know, I couldn't bring myself. He's Mr. Bennett or a member of Knesset Bennett, former Minister Bennett. Um, so we're so grateful to him and to his office for joining our show. That was uh, something really special. It's so funny. My, I told Avigail, you know, my kids in Israel, I said that that uh, Naftali is going to be on the show. She's like, oh, yeah, it's my roommate's, uh, my roommate's brother's na next door neighbor. <laughs> Like everyone's, everyone knows That's each funny. other. Two degrees you know? of separation. Yeah. Listen, Cindy, Love the Schreier, Jewish world. Cindy Schreier will not be out, will be outdone, will not be outdone. Uh, Mimi and Ari Schreier as well. Big thank you. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for enjoying. Rabbi Moskowitz, an anonymous donation in wow. your honor. Learning Safer Tehillim. For those who don't know, Rabbi Moskowitz gives a uh, worldwide appreciated Safer Tehillim <laughs> Shear on Thursdays. Check it out tomorrow here on brsonline.org. Anonymous Google. donation. It'll be playing here on BeerUsOnline.org slash global. No, I didn't just make a donation I know. in my own honor. No, place. I was going to say, Mom, can you make one for me also? You made, His mom made it for him. No, no, no. Listen, Rabbi, that was not. Rabbi Brody, I don't want to bring anything up, but it, it's time for you to step up. You've got six supporters for a total I know. Are of $342. Are you kidding me? Listen, my supporters who, who, are all, they want to see what everyone else is doing. Then they start kicking in. First okay. of all, I love the Yair Myers, who haven't for many years, who did donation in Rabbi Brody's honor tonight. You read the message. That was the best part. Where he said, basically, I learned a lot from Rabbi Goldberg and Rabbi Moskowitz. I never met Rabbi Brody, but I feel like we would get along well. Exactly. And I love there the, you go. the Jewish community. By the so way, you guys all, would get along well. So for all the people that might feel like that, just throw a throw hundred bucks <laughs> in right now. That's it. We're issuing a challenge. Anybody here? For all the people who have such sympathy for how Rabbi Moskowitz and I don't let Rabbi Brody speak much on the Bima. Yeah, we'll this is your chance to show it. This is your chance to show. Stand up for Rabbi Brody. Stand this up is with your hundred dollars right now. Stand up for Rabbi Brody and uh, <laughs> make a donation in his honor. Contribute to Behind the Bima and Thank all you. that is coming out of the Boca Raton Synagogue. Gentlemen, Rabbi Moskowitz, Rabbi Brody, any final thoughts on 
season two, episode nineteen of Behind. Yeah, the it is. It is February tenth, which means we are coming up on a year of COVID. We were in Israel last time together this mm. year, celebrating Rabbi Brody's daughter's wedding. And already then, wow. people were starting to talk wow. about COVID. Remember, there was a woman behind yeah. me on the plane who was coughing up a lung the whole time. <laughs> and we were joking around. We're like, oh, she probably has COVID. <laughs> no one knew how. <laughs> were we? You're on a... Phil was sitting in front of us. This lady across the aisle was coughing wow. right, the entire flight. The and entire nobody flight. knew how serious He was having a happen. heart attack. Yes. We're joking around about it now, but no one right. had any idea how serious it would be. No and one to be clear, she had, she had to be corona. clear, we don't joke about corona. It's very serious. No, no, we actually have members right now. We have members who need a refuel shleima. We yeah. them for them. We're thinking about them. We're not joking around. My about point it. is, is back then, even when we were talking about it, nobody knew that a year later we would still be dealing with it, with people being sick, with right. so many deaths along the way, with the quarantining, with the social distancing, with the masks. Coming up on a year, Rabbi Gobert, what are your reflections right. on a yeah. year of COVID? It's hard to believe. I'll never forget the Friday when we uh, shut down the shul. We actually were following Bergen County, took the lead. My friends up in Bergen County, the RCBC, get a lot of credit. They were out front of this. They had uh, long meetings and consulted medical experts. They took the lead. They were the first who had the guts. We, we looked at them kind of like, what do you do? Shut down shuls. I mean, his, in history, how many right. times have shuls of a community been shut down by a plague? It has happened. But uh, how often has it happened? Rabbi, Rabbi, Brody, uh, Rabbi Brody, the Schreier family, are standing up for Rabbi Brody. Thank you. He's just in $180. Not $100. Breaking news. $180. Okay. Breaking, hold on. Breaking news. That. (laughs) Breaking news. Thank you to the. Breaking news. My Brody has friends. This just in. Breaking news. Just someone gave ten thousand. That's so beautiful. Ten thousand dollars. The head of the ORB. Just because. Thank you, Levy. Thank you. Um, So we were sitting in my office. We were following what was happening in Bergen County. We said, "Not down here. We're fine. Everything's good down here. We're being careful. We'll encourage people." I think what we said was, "I think we sent out an email. Don't shake hands." And we put out some purell. And that if you were no, we said if you were over sixty-five, we encouraged you not to come to show that Shabbos. That's we what the that weekly already? had said. Right. Yeah, that's what the weekly had said. Right. Now you and I have been going back and forth for hours. If you right. remember, even Thursday night, going into Friday morning, back and forth. I, I don't even think we slept that night. We were talking and discussing that so much, and then you tell the story. You made the call. What did we do right afterwards? Yes, yeah, so first of all, I'll give you a little bit behind the bima. You should know throughout Corona for the last year, we fluctuate. So it's not even like it's one day or one hour. In one minute. Rabbi Moskowitz can be the, let's hide under the bed. It's coming to get us, shut everything down. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we can be careful. And literally a minute later, I'll be like, are you crazy? We can't do that. And he'll be like, why can't we push the envelope? And I think that represents you. It's everybody. We're all trying to figure out in a very confusing and navigate our way through very, very complicated times. So we met and we called the head of our local hospital and we called the head of another ER. And we said, we need to understand, if you remember a year ago, the message was not about lowering the numbers. The message was about uh, slowing the spread so that the hospitals can keep up. That was the original intent. Again, I don't want to go backwards with that, but that was the original intent. And the head of the hospital said, yeah, this thing's spreading. It's going to spread like wildfire once it comes. So please shut down. You're going to save lives by doing it. And we did. So right before we sent out the email, I think we were like seven people. The staff was meeting. We called three more men. We went in the next room and we davened the last mincha in the shul itself, what would be the last mincha for many months and the last minion. And then we sent the email out. We shut down the shul. And I, I remember thinking, we probably all said, yeah, we'll do this for a week. By next Shabbos, two weeks max, we'll be back. I mean, how long could it take? This is the United States of America. Right. 
And look what, you know, we've got GPS and cell phones and FaceTime and look what we're doing, technology and medicine. We have robots that do surgery. You know, we'll figure this out. What's the big deal? And here we are a year later. Year a later. year later. And I remember that Mincha was a very emotional Mincha. And I said to you afterwards, I said, I finally have at least an inkling of understanding of what it must have been like as they shut the lights on the base Hamikdash, as the base Hamikdash was being destroyed. I remember walking out yeah. of Shul that Friday and you and I looked at each other and we thought maybe one, two weeks, but we really right. didn't know. No and it just, it was an eerie feeling leaving the Shul behind and closing and locking the doors. And yeah. uh, it was very, very emotional for all of us in the room, I remember. I'll tell you, I, I, um, I live right next door to the Shul. And I happen to have a key to the shul. And throughout the duration of Corona, every single day that the shul was closed down, I davened in shul by myself. It was not unsafe. I was totally by myself. There was no one here. There could be no transmission. You stood there was no behind the beam. Impact of anything. No, and and I did so. I'm not. I mean, it's a luxury that I had, and I'm sure others wish they could have, um, because I was in in the shul with the sanctity of a shul and Aaron Kodesh. I didn't do it taking advantage of a luxury. I did it with a sense of responsibility. The shul to me is like this dynamic. It's, of course, an inanimate building, and yet it has like a rhythm and a life and a heartbeat to it. And the notion that it would be alone and lonely. At one point I wrote, a, if you remember, like an ode to the shul, this love letter to the shul of missing it. And that really was. We've all gone through in this year what a range of emotion that we've been through this year. And uh, we're seeing the impact of being shut down as anxiety spiked and all kinds of other challenges have spiked. And there are a lot of unintended consequences and casualties, and I'm not... Um, blaming anyone or second-guessing policies, um, just acknowledging real, real challenges that have come up. And, you know, leadership, again, we're meeting. And each time we right. host these meetings, we can't believe we're still doing this because when we did the last one to prepare for Yom Naraim, of course by Purim it'll be over. And then, of course, by Pesach it'll be over. And, of course, by the next it'll be over. Right. And here we are saying, what do we do with Purim? And what do you do with Megillah Sester on Zoom and Mishloch Manos and Purim Sudas? And, and, and we have not broached the Pesach conversation. Now, if last Pesach, you would have said you could do what we're going to do this Pesach, you would have been thrilled. When I think about the fact that both my parents and in-laws were each a couple blocks away from us and yet had Seder all by themselves and us by ourselves, if we knew then what we know now, of course we could have been together, obviously very distanced and wearing a mask other than when you're eating and there would have been ways to do it and people wouldn't have had to suffer with that intense loneliness that they did, but we didn't know then what we know now. And uh, you think about Pesach. Think about almost every shul in the world was leaving shut our, down. Leaving our cell phones on, taking calls from lonely members who needed someone yeah. to talk to, visiting, making sure that you were knocking on windows of, right. of people who were alone just to wave to them and let them know right. that someone cared right. about them. You know, even we went through it. It wasn't so long ago, but even as we're talking about it, it sounds like such a crazy, crazy times. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that First of all, I think I've said, and I'll tell you, about 100 times tonight. So if we were a donation for each time I said, and I'll tell you, we would have met our goal by now. So I'm going to try to work on that. Um, literally. So, so, literally. Yeah, we've, we've worked out the literally. We've gotten there. Um, I'm loving the Schreier family right now. The Schreier family are good people. And thank you to the anonymous donation as well that just came in. Please keep them coming. Be part of our global community, which is the point I wanted to make. We pivoted pretty quickly, and I'm proud. I'm proud of how quickly we pivoted. We have a very robust program, and we've been told by colleagues that uh, presidents of their shul or heads of committee have walked into their office and slammed down our brochure. Rabbi Moskowitz works tirelessly on it, together with Rob Shur, gives a great shout out to our graphic designer, and, and 
people have reported back to us, rabbis, that people have slammed down their desk saying, why doesn't our shul have this program? We're known for, we're proud of, we worked very hard, and we can only do it because of our supporters. We have a very robust program from beginner, intermediate, advanced men, women, uh, history, halacha, gemara, every topic. We've got entertaining, social, really, really robust program. It's our bread and butter. It's the heart of our community. And it was all shut down. It was eliminated. It was silenced. And we pivoted quickly to go online. And, and we're proud. We're proud of how much and how well we did that. And clearly, you're proud. You're listening right now. You found us. And you found us either on, on Zoom or YouTube or Facebook. You found us on Twitter or Instagram. You found us on uh, WhatsApp. Uh, we've got lots and lots of WhatsApp groups with thousands of people on it. And you found us. And we're so grateful that you did because it's been a great ride learning together and to build a community together. And what we're hoping is you see yourself as part of a community and that you'll contribute. And it occurred to me, how many people pay for streaming entertainment? How many people pay for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and I don't even know the names of other services. What is it, Disney Plus now, whatever else. How many people pay for streaming entertainment? you got to contribute something to streaming Torah. One thing is entertaining your body. The other one is elevating your soul. So if you pay for a streaming service, maybe match one of the services. Maybe just match what you pay for one of those services a year. To, uh, to help us continue to stream our Torah, to join our community, BRS Global. We appreciate all the people who are and, uh, and who are part of the community that we're building. And we hope that more and more are going to, are going to give as well. You know, it's interesting that uh, you were talking about pivoting and innovating. Um, so I happen to listen to two. I read a book and I listened to a podcast recently. One of uh, Bob Iger, who's the former now CEO, chairman of the board of Disney, and the other is with the founder of Netflix. And the common theme between both of those is Bob Iger said that the number one piece of advice he has for organizations is he calls it innovate or die. He right. says, if you're not always innovating, then someone else is going to come or there are going to be threats to disrupt your industry. And you got to figure out a way to innovate. Netflix, when they disrupted the whole Blockbuster, remember Blockbuster was yeah. a $6 billion a year company. And Netflix came along and they actually went to Blockbuster. They offered to sell themselves for $50 million to Blockbuster. And Blockbuster said, nope, there's no business there. There's no way you guys are going to be successful. And obviously history has shown that disruptions do have in the industry. So obviously our industry was disrupted. Right, as you said, we were closed down and we were forced to innovate and, and pivot and transition to a different mode of connecting to people. You were really at the forefront of it. I remember there was a tweet that came out very early on where someone said, all the rabbis are just catching up to Rabbi Goldberg's usage of technology yeah. now. But, um, but it is, you know, I think Shul in general are figuring out how to navigate in a world where people aren't coming to their doors as much and they're used to more of a virtual online opportunity for learning and how do you engage people and how do you pivot to that new reality the, the only thing uh, that i'm i'm just wondering the only thing that 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 I, if you really want to make make a direct comparison to to the television and netflix and all these other programs other than live sports and live news which you need to know right now question is does this need to be broadcast live do all the shirim that we give need to be broadcast live or could they be delivered once a week and anyone can watch them when they want to watch them? Like most of the viewers are going to be doing it on their own on their own time. You know, we're living now in an on-demand world. Does it need to be live? So what we're trying to do is both because I think there is an energy and there is an excitement and enthusiasm and a feeling of connection when you watch something live. And you've seen that over the last year with all the Zoom um, singers and Havdalas and comedians. You could go on YouTube and watch anybody. 
and it's free, and you can do it whenever schedule works for you. And yet, that's different than being part of a community who are watching live together, who are connecting, who are hearing it in real time. So I think there's the, there's both, and that that's what the right. entertainment industry is doing. Is they have some things that are they 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 um, come out with it, they debut it at a certain time, and then it's available on demand afterwards, which is basically what we're doing. I want to acknowledge the Schreiers again, this time in honor of Cindy Schreier, Yoni and Jackie Schreier, in honor of Cindy Schreier. Schreier family, call your cousins, your distant cousins, <laughs> every relative you have, Schreiers, keep it coming. We can we call this you, the Schreier behind the beamer for the right price. <laughs> no $10,000 to the Josh Brody fund over there let's start talking the world world is moving online and and it's a big question that you're raising and i'll I'll give you two examples so i sit on the um on the board of the orb which is our kashras down here one of the largest vada kashras in the whole country because palm beach and broward counties have lots and lots of restaurants caterers ice cream shops uh, kosher supermarkets and the like we used to meet in person once a month uh, and of course, during Corona, we've met on Zoom, and we're all finding it so much more convenient. You've taken, you've eliminated all the drive time. You've eliminated some of the downtime where you're waiting for people who are late and so on. And Zoom, you can meet such more, much more efficiently. But right. we miss seeing each other. And on mm. Zoom, everyone is supposedly multitasking, but really, it's another way of saying that they are very distracted. They're not focused. It's not giving the full attention the way you are in the room. So there's an upside to Zoom, but there's also a downside to Zoom. I'll give you another example. We had meetings just today. Um, I sit on the Manal of our Bayesden for Geras, a conversion Bayesden, and now we're having our meetings on Zoom with candidates. But you don't really get to meet, and you can't necessarily read the person as well, and they can't feel as comfortable uh, or as trusting with the Bayesden and appreciating us. Right. And you know, we met with a candidate today in Puerto Rico, a candidate today in Central Florida. Uh, we meet with candidates who are all regionally local, but not local local. And there's this question is, again, much more efficient. Maybe it's easy to, uh, to just do it another Schreier. Another Schreier just made a donation under the name Another Schreier. Another Schreier. With the note keeping it up. With the note keeping it up. Schreiers, I don't know how many relatives there are, but the family tree. We want the entire family tree. But I'll just add on to that. As the presenter, Rabbi Brody, you can't compare it to being live. Like I... You feed off of an energy, even if you can't be in the but same. But we don't see the audience, and you know, it's, it's but different. But if you know that they're there, there's a different energy. There's a there's you, you bring it to you bring a certain different energy to the table. For, I'd notice for me, hundred percent, that when I know there are live people there listening, even right, behind the beamer, there's right. a different energy that that you bring to the table. I'll give you one more example, which is so important. Every meeting has where the real business happens is the meeting after the meeting. We all know that. The executive board, the board, the committee, and then you the go to the parking lot, lot meeting. There's right. the meeting in the boardroom, and then there's the parking lot meeting. And then the there's real the business happens. meeting after the meeting. Right. And then there's when you get home and you start texting. But the real meeting is the after meeting. I met today with somebody who's in recovery, 35 years clean, 35 years clean, the Iron Man. You both know who I'm talking about. Hopefully he's coming out of the truck. He's coming back to the community. We love him. 35 years clean. He told me that the recovery community is struggling because there are many fewer meetings in person. Most have moved online to Zoom. And that's wonderful for the meeting, the consistency of going to meetings, which it's all about. Somebody who went through crisis when they hit their rock bottom, 90 meetings, 90 days. That's the slogan. That's the saying in the, in the recovery world. So 90 meetings, 90 days, you can't find 90 meetings in person. And the problem
problem is that it's after the in-person meeting when you sit down for the coffee, you talk in the parking lot, the sponsor and the sponsee, that's where the connections happen. So there's a lot of efficiency and productivity being created by these online, but we're missing the energy, the creativity, the warmth, the relationship, the after meeting, the water cooler moments, right. the connections, the conversations, the breakthroughs that happen then. And they're really, really important. They cannot be underestimated. I'll tell you, Sid, but like my mother, he commuted an hour a day each way into the city and found two hours back of his life every single day and is able to work right. in his house. That's a dramatic lifestyle change. So That's a big lifestyle change. And a big question for rabbis. I was asked to write an article about this, but I, I, unfortunately, my thoughts are not developed enough. I'm not sure I'm qualified enough and I don't have the time to do it right now on the question of after Corona, what does adult education look like? Because this is intoxicating. Right. Giving a sheer online where you watch the numbers of listeners and you're no longer bound by the people who can fit in your room or who can come during that time or who can uh, make a geographic uh, trip to your shul. Now, anywhere in the world, they could be joining. And you see that number, whether it's on Zoom or YouTube or whatever platform you're using, it's intoxicating to be teaching people everywhere. You don't get reactions. You make a joke and you have no idea if anybody's laughing. You can't read the room. You're actually doing something I've never done in 20 years of teaching, which is stare at myself the whole time I'm teaching. But I guess I laugh at my own jokes, so that helps. At least it's <laughs> positive reinforcement that comes in. Um, but So when this is over, are we going to go back to exclusively in person? Are we going to remain exclusively online? Obviously, the answer is some form of a hybrid. But what will be the consequences of that hybrid? Will people who used to come in person take the more convenient way out of staying online? Will you really be talking to the people online or in the room? Right. What will be the consequences of trying to create that hybrid? Yes, we will see. No, I mean, listen, obviously, I think our members are going to want us to be in person. I think a lot of them miss that human interaction. I think a lot of them miss coming to the shul, seeing us, as you said, they're, you know, with the cholent and the whole environment um, that surrounds not just the Torah, but the, the experience of being in being able to, you know, engage with each other and being able to engage with the rabbis. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see also the global community versus the local community. It's possible that somebody I live with just texted, I don't miss the after meetings at all. <laughs> it's possible that people we live with would know when a meeting ended. Well, the my wife meeting. said, she said, she said, since when are board meetings so short? You're usually out for like two hours. Now right. it's like 45 minutes. You're done. I said, yeah, because I don't sit in Rabbi Goldberg's office and I'm not schmoozing with this person afterwards. But as you said, yeah, that's familiar. part of the whole dynamic that people are looking for. That was the joke that went around is, you know, when we come home on Friday nights, we always say, well, that's when Shul ended. And then Asara Bateves fell on a Friday, the fast day on the Friday. Right. And that's when our, our wives found out what time Shul really ends <laughs> on, a, on a Friday night. They don't miss that yeah. after meeting whatsoever. Again, a huge thank you to those who are members of our BRS Global community. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for participating with us. Thank you for supporting and enabling us. Thank you for being stakeholders with us. I'll, I'll tell you what I wrote about this week. First, Robin Moskowitz, what did you write about? What inspired your article this week? I wrote about the longer, details. The longer Judy. we go, hopefully, the more the more Shriers there are. There are. Yeah. Yeah, the more Shriers, exactly. <laughs> I think I had Shriers in Camp Missora. I'm pretty sure that did. there were a of lot of Shriers in Camp Missora. They should all give also. Um, I uh, I wrote about details in Judaism. Obviously, Parshas Mishpatim is uh, largely contrast with Parshas Yisro. Yisro is the Ten Commandments. Ten, pretty simple. Anyone can do it. You turn to Parshas Mishpatim, it's all of Nazikin, it's Babakama, it's detailed, it's nuanced, and it could be a little bit overwhelming. And so I wrote an article about why the details in Judaism are important. Um, I think it's something that certainly I know children, teenagers, many adults that I speak to really struggle with. Why does God care? 
which shoe I put on first, which shoelace I tie first, how I wash my hands, why are these details so important? And so I tried to make a three-pronged argument for why the details in Judaism are important. What about you, Rabbi looking Goldberg? For, looking forward to reading that, the three prongs of why the details matter. We've all had conversation with countless Jews who say, I'm a good Jew and I have a good heart, and why do the details matter? It's good enough. Does God really care about that? So I am excited for you to arm all of us with a good answer to those questions. Looking forward to that. Rabbi Brody, we prematurely ran the breaking news because it turns out apparently you only have one friend. Really? Where is everybody? Where are people standing up for Rabbi Brody? The <laughs> They're all sleeping right now. Yeah, you know what? Rabbi I'm telling Brody. you, you'll see. When they wake Isn't up. Don't, about this week. Don't, don't forget, they, they don't watch so late, some, some of these friends. They're late. They're watching tomorrow. They're going to tune in. They're tuning in from well, Israel. Well, mark your clock. <laughs> They're going to be giving big dollars. It is Wednesday night, and as of now, Rabbi Brody, well, he's up to eight supporters for $558. Thank you, my but eight Rabbi supporters. Rabbi Brody's not going to break $1,000. No, we're going to break like, it. First There's going to be a surprise Scout 10 grand. More cookies, Rabbi Brody. That's true. Yeah. I just ordered Are we my challenging you to bring in 10 grand? Ladies and I think there is someone out there email. that will that will give, no, nah, 10, 15 grand, 18 grand. Let's go for 18. Put us at the top. Lottery winnings now again? Or? No, 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 no. There's one person out there that's going to say, you know what? I really think Rabbi Brody should be at the top of that list. Let's <laughs> let him show Rabbi Goldberg and Rabbi Moskowitz how we do it. 18 grand. Put it at the top. We're looking forward one bite so that's going to be next week's quote that we throw back at him <laughs> so i actually i wrote about this um i wrote about this subject which i'll see whether i'll publish it yet it goes to print tomorrow or whether i will get smart and regret it and not publish it um but i, I found this a very very challenging week personally because when expectations are not met it, it can be hurtful and we in the rabbinate or any jewish communal leadership or any labor of love that you're emotionally connected to you take everything about it very personally so I anticipated we set this goal of $100,000 and right. thought to myself, we're probably underselling it. I mean, after all, there are 15,000 people a week on WhatsApp groups and on classes and on Behind the Bima and reading articles. H.com is picking up Rabbi Moskowitz and others. I mean, this, the world is benefiting and, and we get a flurry of emails and comments. It's so gratifying. It's so uplifting. It's so meaningful. The chizik is enormous. So I thought, okay, well, if everyone just gives a small amount, the numbers aren't complicated, then we're going to do well and we'll be able to take our messages even further. And then this week came. And um, I'm beyond grateful to the people who've given us to, we're at $32,385, 257 supporters. I'm beyond grateful. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. We're honored. We're grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I wondered, where where's everybody else? Where are all the people? And then we went through. You want to go behind the beam a little bit? This is the after. This is the after meeting. We're in the parking lot right now. In the after meeting, those who are staying on, you're in the parking lot with us. We'll go. You want to go 2.0? We'll go behind the beam a little bit over here. So you know, we reacted by we. I mean, I. But we reacted and we said, you know what? This is people's appreciation. Forget it. We're gonna make a member-only service. Parsha class. Got to be a BRS member. You want to join Sitter Snippet WhatsApp group? I mean, Moskowitz is Tehillim Shear. You got to be a BRS member. Only people who donate pay for play. And then we said, nah, that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. We're going to continue to spread Torah as far and as wide as we can. We'll be grateful for the people who join, and we'll figure out how to make up the rest. So, you know, we, we caught ourselves, and we're not going to go that direction, but probably mistaken taking it personally. But here's the upshot of my article. And then I thought to myself, and I said, you know what? I'm no different than all these people. Why? Because I go on Why You Torah all the time. I use safaria.org all the time. 
I use Wikipedia, Lahavdil, but Wikipedia all the time. And you know, once a year, twice a year, I like to listen to my friend Nachum Siegel, formerly JM in the AM. What's it called now? The Nachum Siegel Show, the Nachum Siegel Network, former guest on Behind the Bima. And I realized I go on all these platforms once, twice a year. There's a pop up and it says Wikipedia is free, community based. If you benefit, please do your part. And you know what I do? X. Why you Torah? I put my shiurim, I listen to other shiurim. Why you Torah? Would you give your part? You know what I do? X. And I realize I'm no different than all the people Xing us out. I'm no different than all the people who are like, I'll take, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you want me to give? X. And then I thought to myself, why do I do that? And I realized because there's a, a human, I'm giving you my whole article, but it's still worth <laughs> reading, I hope, because I've got a couple great stories in there. Um, great stories. One of the Mahalakwa stories. So sorry to Rabbi Brody's lecturer that he heard earlier this week. And another, right. another great story. So I thought to myself, why am I doing that? And I think it's part of the human psyche to feel, you know what? Someone else will cover it. Someone else will pay for it. Someone else will take care of it. And what gives us the ability to say that? It's the anonymity of the internet. In other words, why you Torah is not looking at how many Shiram Goldberg's listening to, asking me a donation, and then I say to an actual living person, no, and hang up. It's just the anonymity of being able to X out. So first of all, I got went on these platforms and made my donations because I learned from this. So I learned from this campaign. I learned a lot about people, but I also learned a lot about myself. And I realize I'm no different than others, so I have no right to be uh, disappointed in others any more than I should be disappointed in myself. I'm trying to correct it for myself, and I hope other people will correct it for themselves too, to say to ourselves that, and I connected it to Machat Shekel, this week is Parsha Shkolem, the first of the four special readings we do. Why does the Torah have to say every Jew, or every male 20 and up, but every individual has got to give a half shekel? And, and the rich can't give more. Well, why not? Let the rich cover the whole thing. Let the poor save their money to put food on their table and let the rich, who it won't make a difference, it won't affect their great-great-grandchildren. Let them cover the communal sacrifices. Let them cover the upkeep of the base of Mikdash of the temple. Let the rich cover it and let the poor, we're really in the after party here, and let the poor, <laughs> uh, let the poor save their money. And I, I'd like to humbly submit from the lesson I learned this week, I think what the Torah is telling everybody is, you want to be part of the community? Cough it up. Cough right. it up. Spoiler alert, I'll tell you how I start the article and then I'll, I want to hear your reactions. I started and I said, if somebody found your credit card statement and reviewed your credit card statement, what would it say about your priorities? If they found your credit card statement, would what you're spending on match what you say you value? So you're spending on Netflix, but nothing on BRS, but you claim that you love BRS and you value the learning you get from BRS. And it's not just true for BRS. Dailygiving.org, thank you again to our sponsor. Do you give Stucca through dailygiving.org or some other mechanism of giving Stucca? But if somebody found your credit card statement and reviewed it, what would it say about your priorities and your values, about what you really care about? And so I learned a lot this week, as I say, about people and about expectations. I learned a lot about myself. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> Am I going to regret this tomorrow? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Are we, but, editing, uh, out, are we look, editing out the end of Behind the Beam? Nah, this week? nah, nah. We're leaving it in. It's. Uh, I think people appreciate your honesty and your candor and seeing that uh, rabbis are normal people. And I look forward to reading the article and and gaining from it and benefiting from it and and take us from it. So thank you. Can I clarify? We, we don't. We're working hard on this campaign. We don't get one piece of commission or percentage or one penny more for the money that's coming in. It's not for us personally. Obviously, we are uh, salaried and, and the shul takes good care of us. It's actually just saying thank you to the members of BRS. The members of BRS 
enable us to share our Torah with everyone else. So shouldn't others have to carry their weight and do their part? It doesn't come to us. So, you know, I'm not driven or I wasn't hurt or feel unappreciated because personally we're going to suffer as a result. It's the mission. It's the cause. We don't have the ability to bring it as as widely or as loudly or as well. The Torah of Hashem, Hashem's timeless Torah, that's all we are. Our whole mission is to be Marbek Vochemayim. We give our heart and soul to just try to inspire others, to lead them towards a more mindful and meaningful Jewish life. That's what it's all about. That's what we're all about. That's what we're trying to do. And we just need people's help in order to be able to do it. And there's one other part to it. If we're going 3.0 behind the Bima, should I share the one other part? Well, it depends what that part is. I'll just I'll just throw one thing in while you decide whether to go there, yeah. which is, of course, the, the you know, you said cough it up. Everyone on their own level Every amount is appreciated. If you could do one dollar, yeah, you do one dollar. If you can do ten dollars, you do ten dollars. If you can help Rabbi Brody get to eighteen thousand, you help Rabbi get go Rabbi Brody get to eighteen thousand. But we're enormously appreciated. Let me tell you, you get me at eighteen thousand, whatever level. Next week it'll be to Josh Brody featuring uh, some other people on the show next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get I'll get a, I'll get a, a ten minute spotlight. <laughs> get to eighteen thousand and eighteen thousand. We'll have Mayor. We'll have her new program too. Right, exactly. We'll have a good time. Let's do it. Come on, someone out there, just one person. Just Let's just acknowledge person. the new uh, <laughs> new um, partners who have come in with great appreciation. First of all, Philip and Sharona Vidal. Flashback to the why you trip to Vidal. Germany, Rabbi Moskowitz, in your honor. Yeah, Vidal. Vidal. Also, a, a small nice. shul rabbi who appreciates the extraordinary work. There's no such thing as a small shul rabbi unless it's a short guy. But there's no such thing as a small shul <laughs> rabbi. Small shul, comma, rabbi, or small shul rabbi? Is it like a five-foot rabbi or a six-foot no, rabbi of a small, small shul? shul. Uh, Nothing okay. wrong with a five-foot anyway, rabbi. Thank you for that generosity. For a rabbi to dig deep into his pocket, we really appreciate that. We've got uh, Jeffrey, our great COO, who's been working tirelessly. Jeffrey, thanks for all you do. Uh, by Daniel and Nurit, who miss Jeffrey from Staten Island down here in Boca. Got wise, he brought his talents to Boca Raton. Michael Seltzer, thank you so much for your generosity and your sponsorship. Keep them coming. We're going to keep the show going as long as people keep it coming. <laughs> this is like a filibuster. And it's like a filibuster. Probably my wife Senate. just came out and said, you're not done yet? It's funny. She assumed that the show is over and we were just kibitzing around now. Right. No. Right. Uh, one second. I just I just became aware of who that small shul rabbi is, and it's not a small shul, and he's not a small rabbi. He is huge, and we appreciate really? everything he's doing to spread Torah and teach Torah and all that he does for us in Kalei. I wonder who so it is. What, what does his us. name rhyme with? Let's do that game. We always do that. <laughs> I'm not going to play that game because he did not want his name mentioned, but we're appreciative to him hmm. and to all those who are supporting our our mission. Rabbi Brody, when we're still waiting for someone to volunteer to help you write up your <laughs> outreach inspiration. We do it? Well, we that. have someone. I just have to give them a story. It's been a very busy week, okay. but uh, we do have someone that has volunteered. I can't wait to uh, have this ghost writer put down yeah. some of these great thoughts. Okay. And um, we're going to get Ooh, that happening. We got we another one in. We got another one in. And this is a person who has just published a new book. And not just because he made this donation in general, I would mention his new book, because he's a cousin of mine, Rabbi David Beshevkin, Debesh. Right. Thank you, Rabbi David Beshevkin. Now, the truth is, if Rabbi David Beshevkin really appreciates what we do, and he really wants to come on behind the bima, then he would tweet out about the BRS Global Campaign, brsonline.org slash global. <laughs> you know what? Debesh, Rabbi Beshevkin. Have it's... you heard about his new book that's coming out? That's out. Top five. Top five. five. I, Top someone five. just sent me a book, by the way. I just got this book in the mail. Morality, Rabbi Doctor um, Jonathan Sachs. Yes, Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Lord Sachs, all of us. Rabbi Lord Sachs. All of us. Yeah, all of us. It is still so hard to believe that he's not here. It's impossible yeah. to believe that he's not here. 
and how bereft we really are without him. It is tragically sad. But uh, Cousin David, thank you so much for your sponsorship. It really, really means Amazing. the world to us. And we're grateful. Rabbi Beshevkin, like the Gemara, applauds those who entertain and put a smile on other people's faces. Rabbi Beshevkin leads the way with his top five list, which were always fantastic and which we miss sorely. But now you can have them combined in a new volume. I will tell you that I hit a personal record, not a personal record. One of the editors of Mishpacha magazine called me the Cal Ripken Jr. of Mishpacha. This is the longest string of, of um, what are they called? Magazines? Weeks in a row? Magazines? Issues? Of, no, the, the Wait, issues. Are you on the you. cover again? Episode. If this, no, no, no. If this oh. is an episode, those are issues. The most amount of issues in a row with letters to the editor still about that, about that subject. So. Oh, really? Wow. Truly was a monster. Of a topic. I Listen. I uh, I met today in Boca by chance, not on purpose. A wonderful guy. I really liked him. He is the Shadchan of Beis Medrash Gavoa, BMG in Lakewood. Another friend of Behind the Bima, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, was a guest on Behind the Bima. Um, Beis Medrash Gavoa. He's the Shadchan of Beis Medrash Gavoa. How many boys, how many young men do you think he represents in Shiduchim? Hmm. 720. That's a lot. 3,200. He represents 1,300 boys okay. in Shiduchim. Wow. 1,300 1300 boys is huge. He's got a file on 1,300. He's setting them up. So he shared his feedback with me about the article. Mostly agreed, some disagreements, but it was a really great conversation. He's a really great person. And um, I was happy I was able to meet with him. He told me, you know, he agreed. One thing that most people agree with is how ridiculous the pictures in the resumes of Shiduchim are. How absurd what you can't capture in a picture. He told me an example, a story. It was a great story. That... He had a, a guy come into his office, and he takes a picture of them for his own file. 1,300 guys, you got to remember who you met with. So the guy is quiet and shy and introvert and looking down, and it was hard to get him to say one word. And he said to him, just smile for a picture. So the guy had this huge smile. And he said, if you'd look at his picture, you would think that this guy is the life of the party, the most charismatic person, the most you know, outgoing person, the biggest smile just from his picture. And you would have absolutely, that's a total, total misrepresentation of what his personality is like. That's how little value these pictures have. So he agreed with me in the pictures, but it was it was good to meet him. He'd probably be a fascinating boys. guest. Would be an interesting guest on the topic of Shiduchim. Maybe we'll do one week on Shiduchim and bring on him and Efrat Sabalovsky of Why You Connects and a few others. And we can talk about Shiduchim on Go Behind the Bima on right. Shiduchim and the monster among us. And speaking of the yeshivas, I, I went to a Levaya today, Rav Sheftel Neuberger, the Nahel of uh, Yeshivas Ne Yisrael, passed away, unfortunately, just last night, from or the, the early this morning from COVID. Tell us about him. You have memories I think it was when COVID. you were in Yisrael? No, it's actually fine. I was, I, I, I was looking, and I, I found the flyer that, he, that, that we had probably about 12 years ago when he came down here for the Ne Yisrael Shabbos. We did, we did a Shabbos with us, Young Israel and uh, Rabbi Gibershul, where different Russia yeshivas from the yeshiva came. He davened. He was known for his davening. I think if there's one thing that I could, I could say that 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 I knew he wasn't my rebbe. Right? His brother was my rebbe, but uh, I remember when I first came to the yeshiva in, in 1995. It was right before the Yom Naraim, and I remember my roommate said, "You got." I remember I was coming from Neryakov, right? So that was my that was my my Rosh Hashanahs for two years. And now you come to yeshivas, hundreds of guys. And I remember he right. said, you, you, you wait till you hear Rav Sheftel Davin. 
And I'm, I was like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? What does that even well, it mean? Wasn't, it wasn't just watching his personal davening. You mean he, no, he, he let he was the shliach tzibur for for Yom and mm-hmm. and his voice. It was just, it was like a like a like a cannon. It was so powerful. And um, even on the Levaya today, they were talking about how he was a shliach tzibur. I mean, in, in in different senses of the word, but how there's so many of the of the of the talmidim from the yeshiva that are now all over the world, that anyone who knew Rav Sheftel's davening. And they hear any of these guys leading davening in Yom and Narayim in any shul in the world, like they'll say that, that's where that's his nosach. That's his. It's like uh, it's taken off, a, you know, all on its own. So a very special person. He was yeah, community leader, way beyond. Family. Yeah, yeah, way the, beyond. The family were known for caring. You know, we spoke about earlier, like the state of Israel. The Newburgers of Ner Yisrael always cared about Klai Yisrael, not just Ner Yisrael, right? Not just right. the Jews of Baltimore, but really were involved in and cared about Jews wherever they were across America and. And beyond, we got a couple more generous members, investors, stakeholders in the BRS Global Community. First of all, the Rebitsons. <laughs> Robert Moskowitz, this just come out of your and my bank account. Is that, is in that... honor of no more after meeting meetings now? Come home. <laughs> wow. That's great. Home. That's great. And our dear friend Adam Austin, keeping spreading the aura of Torah. Thank you so much, the Austin family. We love the Austin family, and we appreciate that uh, generosity and that and that support. So yeah, the Newberger family are are you know uh, royal legends. Jewish family. Yeah, in the difference yeah. they made legends, legends in Baltimore, in near Israel, and and well beyond as well. Big tragedy, and then yeah. to see, let's say the the Mashkiach got up, Rabbi Weisbord, he got up to to be you know to give his hesped, and he just lost right. his wife right. a month ago to, to to Corona. To corona. Right. Yeah, so it's it's like so it's such a tragedy. Mm, yeah. Lost. I'll tell you what. While we're yeah. talking about shiduchim, um, Yechavid and I got a package in the mail last week. Beautiful food package with a bottle of wine. Who sent us this food package? Where'd this come from? It's a little card. I open the card and I read the card. It says, Dear Yechavid and Ephraim. I actually have the card. Hold on. I'm going to read to you the card right now. Except that my computer shut down before. But I'm going to read to you this card. The, uh, the card basically was, it was their 20th anniversary. And we were involved in making the Shidduch. And they sent us this gift. They said, we couldn't celebrate our 20th anniversary without acknowledging or thanking us. It's connected to my article that I wrote about being grateful even when right. it's not expected or demanded or no one would notice if you weren't. That's where gratitude kicks in. So let me tell you about the Shidduch. It's a great Shidduch story. I'm not mentioning their names, but it's a great Shidduch story. Yechavit gets all the credit for most of the good things in my life. Almost all. All, all the good things. No, I don't have to come home. So she gets the credit. So... Um, Hey, I'm just she insulting my wife. My wife apparently doesn't care if I, you know, get off either. So, <laughs> so Yechavit saw this great shidduch. This guy and this girl, she saw it. There are a couple stories like that of people she saw. She saw it. She convinced them you got to go out. They both agreed they went out. They went out once or twice and they said, no. Nah. She said, what do you mean, nah? I'm telling right. you, you're going to get married. They're right. like, yeah, but we're actually the people dating and we don't see it. No, no, but you're wrong. You're going to get married. You belong together. You're going to get married. You're wrong. They said, no, nah, we're good. We don't see it. So a number of months went by, and Yechevet, like Aaron Cohen, listen to this move she pulls. She calls the boy, and she says, yeah, the girl wants to give it another try. If you're game, she'd like to go out again. Then she calls the girl, and she says, the guy wants to give it another try. If you're game, he wants to go out again. So each of them you know, heard that the other one wanted to give it another try and said, yeah, I'll, g- I'll give it another try. Happily married, many kids wow. celebrated their 20th anniversary, and in the card they acknowledge, thank you for basically making us go out again and put it on. <laughs> so she saw it, she saw it so clearly, it's a night as day, that she pulled that move. 
and, uh, and now they're happily married 20 years later. You, and it means the world to us that they thought of us on their anniversary. Who, who said they didn't had to you do give that? A, you gave a drush about this once, about a who got a, I remember who the guy is, but I'm, I'm purposely keeping it anonymous, but about someone who received a scholarship from a university. And years later, when the person was in a position to donate back to the university, yeah. they made a donation. And the, and the university said, like, why, why are you donating? Like, you, you've never had, you know, years you haven't been in touch. And the person said, because years ago you took care of me, I want to be able to pay back that favor. Right. Um, and right. that's exactly the gratitude that we're talking about. That is. And that, that's the notion of gratitude. Now, it's gratitude, when you have to pay it as a debt, it's not a big deal because you had right. to pay it as a debt of gratitude. But when no one knows, so if you benefit, if you listen to BRS Shiurim and read articles all day long, but nobody has a way of tracking or knowing that. So you say to yourself, why do I have to give? Why do I have to show gratitude? That's when the gratitude counts. And the gratitude is for you, for integrity and uh, humility and so on. Rabbi Brody, this Justin, you do have another friend. You'd Thank think you. That after the, you'd think that after the new deal he signed with Satellite Radio, he could have given more than $36. But we nevertheless we nevertheless express our gratitude to Howard Stern, who there you donated, go. How do you like donated that? with the special I, I, message I would also you. like to clarify, apparently the <laughs> Rebbitson's donation was a joint donation from Arya Kevin. So I have to give my wife credit as well. Okay. Deserving the credit. Thank hey you so now. much. Hey, now. We're, st we're still going strong. As long as people are listening and they are. Uh, my, the battery on my earbuds is going. <laughs> yeah, we got a great crowd who are still with us. So I don't know. People really need to get out a little bit more and get a life. But if you're still with us, we're going. Filibuster, baby. We're going all through the night. This is this is a... Shavuos night. But <laughs> this is BRS Global Campaign Telethon. We're going all night long. Stay with us. And continue until we can track down every last Schreier across the globe. This is the wrap-up show here. If you put out a book and you want us to acknowledge the book, just make a nice donation and we'll acknowledge the book. You've got some cause you want us to acknowledge, make the donation. But we, of course, have to mention our friends at dailygiving.org again. Thank you for sponsoring tonight's episode, the longest episode so far of Behind. I know, maybe we should this charge like them double, double for this. <laughs> it's like yeah. a double episode. Send, yeah. send them a bill. How do you become one of their recipients? Interesting, because we've spoken to them about that a lot. Yeah, um, I've advocated unsuccessfully. Maybe I'm going to get myself in trouble now, but I've advocated that perhaps shuls should be able to do this, right? So another Bokerton synagogue would promote dailygiving.org, and one of the options would be, in addition to High Lifeline and Yachad and you know all these wonderful organizations, but one of the options would be the local shul that's promoting daily giving that has been unsuccessful, but we still love them and we still encourage everyone to participate in them. Um, I believe they have a panel. They have an advisory board that vets institutions and decides which receive the money from daily giving. So how do we get on that panel? That's a good question. I'll be on the away. panel. Do they need someone else on the panel? I could zoom in. Well, daily you only have How hard could it be? You only have $17,900 in... Uh, you know, sixty-four dollars left. Rabbi Brody, you you can't get on the panel because you've only raised five hundred ninety-four dollars. <laughs> so once you actually bring in the money, when you can say, "Show me the money," then yeah. um, special thank you to Terry from te to Terry Terry Tenenbaum. Terry Tenenbaum, thank you for your generosity. Thanks for being part of our community, and a donation from RPM's mom, uh, yeah. grateful to BRS. Mrs. Is that, is that how desperate we're getting here? <laughs> Mrs. Ma that's not desperate. Mrs. Moskowitz. One second. How much did it? How much? 
Because <laughs> my mom's got a match. I was going right to say a hundred dollars more than stuff. either one of your moms. Yeah, it's a beautiful much. thing. We we actually put on my mom as we're my, as we're closing in on our fortieth episode. We listed all forty episodes and we asked people my mom right which now. was their favorite. And one of our listeners said, by far, two of our listeners, I think, right. said by far their favorite episode was the episode the with the moms. Yeah. We should bring them like back. A lifetime ago. Yeah. It's a lifetime ago. We're almost episodes. up to Mother's Day again. We're almost back. Maybe we'll do our that lives this year. It'll be an annual show with the moms. So much yeah, more to ask moms them. show. People yeah. love the moms. We asked people who they'd like to hear. And a lot of interesting names came in of who people would like us to have on. Oh, boy. We've got another Schreier. This just in. Avi Schreier, the other half of Cindy, who has a Pokeball waiting for me and my wife next time in New York. Everybody, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stop, chop, and roll. Stop, <laughs> chop, and roll. The Schreier's incredible location. The next time you're in the five towns, right. Central Avenue, stop, chop, and roll. Delicious sushi, delicious Poke Bowls. Everybody's invited and encouraged. Make sure when you come into stop, chop, and roll, mention tell them. behind the beam I sent you. The Schreier get- special. Schreier special. I don't know if you'll get a discount. I hope you can. But you mentioned behind the beam I sent you Poke Bowls, delicious. What I will say, if we had, Pokeball? if we had behind the beam of swag, the Schreiers, the entire Schreier family is getting it. Yes, there's no question. We're we're making that was another question that we asked is if we made behind the beam a swag, what would people want? Very interesting answers. Some wanted masks. Someone some wanted, wanted a baseball sweatpants. Some wanted a fleece. Somebody wanted a signed baseball. Very interesting answers. We've got uh, the Schreiers just keep coming. It's unbelievable. First of all, David Suss, CPA and family, accountant, my accountant. Thank you so much for your generosity in Josh's honor. Thank you, Rabbi Josh Broder, for joining our Super Seum. Oh, there we go. The Suss. That's right. You said I made it up. I love the Suss family. You guys are so great. I didn't put it past you. And (laughs) we got another one from Stephen Schreiber. Not a Schreier, Schreiber. Steven Schreiber, thank you for your generosity. Appreciate everybody's help and everybody's support. You guys ever try a Poke Bowl? What do you like in your Poke Bowl? Are we talking about food right now? <laughs> we, talk, we go back to food. We, we started it. One of the earliest episodes was about food, and our wives were having none of it. Yeah. They were not loving our you, conversation. Are those early, early episodes? Are they on the show? Are they recording? Yeah, of course. They're all on YouTube. We do? Okay. To me, the key of any good dish is different flavors in your mouth at the same time different textures and different flavors so hot and spicy right um like those types of dynamic playing in my mouth that's the key to any good dish all right one second here's where we get to the part where my two co-hosts have zero credibility (laughs) one is a vegan and the other is a not a major eater let's just say i don't want to say anything i'll regret saying so neither of you have any credibility in the area of food but i do agree i like mixtures textures um, you like something to bring the heat, also have some sweetness, some acidity, right. also be, uh, what's the other word they say? What savory. Savory. No. Savory is a good one. But what's the word when it has... Um... Hey, while you're thinking of that, let me ask you guys a question. Because, again, I'm, I'm big on this big Bob Iger kick, Disney. Bob so Iger? Bob Iger said that he's not a big eater, doesn't eat any carbs whatsoever, gets up at 4.15 every morning. But he says his one thing. He travels around the world. Herbaceous. It should be herbaceous. Herbaceous. That was it. Nobody says Rabbi Goldberg. He says the one thing he can't withstand is pizza. He says he could be anywhere, Italy, Tokyo, anywhere in the world. He looks for the best pizza. He needs to eat the best pizza. What is your kryptonite food, Rabbi Goldberg? Everybody knows I'm I'm not uh, shy about it. First of all, Trader Joe's corn chips, killer, killer. And and Cape Cod, 40% reduced fat, kettle Potato chips. 
You know, if you eat the whole bit. bag, then the 40% low fat. You want to go really good. behind the Bima? Cape Cod kettle potato chips dipped in some Osem ketchup. Delicious. What? Delicious. What? De- Where do you buy Osem ketchup? <laughs> Delicious. Is that I'm like leftover only- from Pesach? No, I'm the only person in the world. Most people bring Heinz ketchup to Israel. Every time I go to Israel, I bring a suitcase of, of ketchup back. I love Israeli ketchup. Wow. Israeli ketchup is much oh, sweeter than American ketchup. Yeah. No, no. Israeli ketchup is tomato-like, tomato-y, and it's oh. much sweeter. It's much sweeter. But we're going to start to get the yank again from our wives who don't want us talking about food. So let's leave off the food. Although I did have to say herbaceous again, just because I love that word, herbaceous. I still acidity, can't get past bring the heat. Cape Cod potato chips and awesome ketchup. Yeah. You don't have a go-to snack, Rabbi. What's your go-to snack? So you're going to laugh at me. You're going to laugh at me. I happen to love apples. Uh, Like I could eat 10 apples a day. I love apples. I love the, again, talk about What kind of apple? Oh, so it can't be, first of all, it has to be red. I don't do the greens. Certainly like the real green, I find them tart. It's got to be a good juicy red one. And I don't know, Aria goes to the store. She brings home these apples. I think they're from Ghanaian. They're delicious, they're succulent, they're juicy, and um, I could eat as many apples a day as possible. Let's put Plain a little apple? peanut butter on it, put a little peanut, peanut butter, butter on it, and you got me. Apple dipped in the right, Brody, peanut. what about you? Hummus. Spicy. Extra spicy hummus, my go-to. But I found out something very interesting today. What's his name? Seth, Seth Warshore? He's the, he's the big chef in our yeah. community now? Mm-hmm. You know he's a near Jake guy? Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? First oh. of all. Let's show some respect to Chef Gersh. He's one of the big chefs in the community now. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Uh, thank you to Andre Jakobovitz, a former student at Yeshiva High School of mine many, many moons ago. Thank you, Andre, for your generosity and support. Anonymous donation that came in. Keep them coming, boys. We love, we love here. One second. You. Who did Andre uh, give that in honor of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. He was also a student of mine. Someone just joined our campaign, hasn't made a donation, but someone joined our campaign. If you look at the homepage, is it, it's not on the homepage yet. Okay, I don't want to reveal it yet, but there's mm. a there's a big donation coming in soon. Okay, we're looking forward. Is it eighteen thousand dollars? I see it. No, she's confused. It might be the same person who joined behind the bima before she was supposed to join because <laughs> she didn't know how the internet worked. She just joined as a team member of the campaign. Correct, correct. Sure it could be someone who doesn't want to be one upped by Mrs. Moskowitz. <laughs> My mom's very competitive. My mom loves her be. son. It could be. What is Thanks, the? Mom. What are you doing, Rabbi Bruce? Share with us what you're doing for inspiration right now. Tell our listeners I got when some, you're trying well, to get we, yourself going each day. Are you learning? Is there is there an area of learning that you're working on that you're doing a personal practice that you have? What are you doing to find inspiration in your life? Yes, there's a few things. Actually, I started listening to. You know, I'm I'm an audible guy. So in fact, I even mentioned to this one guy on the phone. He he told me about this book that just came out by Rabbi Lord Sachs, and I said, oh, sounds like a great book. So I downloaded it. But I'm in the middle of listening to round two of this book that just came out by Tony Robbins. And I love this book. I love it. I'm telling you the stories he's telling you. And people say, oh, these, you know, one of these guys. Just listen to the stories. The stories are great stories and very, very inspirational. And you just, I just give you one, one example. I'm not going to tell you the story, but he gives an example of where he helped one person. Like he really, really helped someone. It's nothing that any one of us couldn't have done. But the point of the story was he was lucky enough to see the result and what happened after that person was helped. And he was actually lucky enough to find out what happened next to the person that that person helped and what that person helped and the stream. And it literally turned into something by helping one person. There was an example of where thousands of people, possibly more, 
we're in touch, we're, we're inspired and touched. But I just want to tell you one, 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 one exciting Hold thing. Hold on, let me just is, comment on that. Yeah, Rabbi, yeah. Rabbi Lord Sachs, Zatzal, whom we miss so terribly. Yeah, yeah. In his book, he talks about the chaos theory, the butterfly effect of virtue. That's right. And exactly that notion. Chaos theory, oh, really? the butterfly effect, mm. says that if a butterfly flaps butterfly. its wings in uh, Singapore, it'll create a hurricane in Florida. And that's, it's been proven that's in, in, yeah, in science. It's beautiful. I love butterfly effect. So the ability for one person to start something and there's a chain reaction of events that happen. I love that. And there's another exciting thing that uh, Simone and I are going to be taking a trip to maybe Rwanda. We're not sure if it's going to work out. It's kind of a crazy place to visit. But if that doesn't work, we are, we just Chabad. announced. Remember, there's a Chabad of Rwanda. There's a Chabad check of Rwanda, right? Right. We will check it out. But if that doesn't work, we actually have an alternate trip that we just launched right now for, for public school or non-yeshiva private school boys and girls, teenagers. And the price, including airfare, for almost four weeks in Israel is $2,200. So wow. if you want to go, you know someone's got a, you know, a teen in public school or, or a non-Jewish private school, let us know. We will, uh, we will be going to Israel this June. That's so, incredible. Wow. Amazing. That's incredible. Let yeah. me just, before I turn to you, Rabbi Moskos, because I want to hear what you're doing for inspiration. I just, someone brought to my attention, I won't say who, that Rabbi, Rabbi Brody started plugging Rabbi Sachs in the middle of my plug for my cousin, Dov Beshevkin's new book <laughs> on the top five. <laughs> so let's come back to that again. Come back to that. His, his wonderful new book, uh, Sorry Top about Five. That. Get a hold of it. You will be entertained, inspired. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You don't want to miss it. Great. Is it on Audible? Top five. Uh, is it on Audible? It's a good. It's a good. We should record it. D Bash Rabbi Beshevkin reading the top five. That would, would be a great that. Audible. A great Audible series. We are at gentlemen. We're at thirty three thousand four thirty nine. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to end the show tonight at thirty five thousand? Let's get to thirty five thousand. If you're still listening, and there's a large number of you still listening, so that means you've been either entertained, you're either laughing with us or out of <laughs> sleep. The last, the, you or, can't right, sleep. Or you fell asleep you with fell your asleep phone with on. <laughs> you fell asleep with your phone on. It's funny you say that. A couple uh. of years ago, remember I did a conference call with a therapist on a very um, sensitive subject, yes, and people I could do. dial in anonymously. So I was waiting. I wanted to get the results of the conference call. So when the conference call ends. You get an email from the conference call company telling you how many people called into the conference call and find out was this a success we had a very sensitive conversation on a really important topic and i really was curious did people really call in or not so we hang up five minutes go by there's no report 20 minutes go by an hour goes by there's no report so i'm trying to figure out what's going on it turns out that one of the people listening fell asleep with their phone on and the phone was still connected to the conference call through the night so it never ended and so i didn't get the email till the next morning because so one person still had the conference call as if it was still going on throughout the night it was it was really amazing so if we could ask our listeners everybody do your part who could do the math quickly Thirty-three thousand four thirty-nine. so we're short about Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred and sixty-one dollars is what we're, we want to raise. So are there 16 people to give $100? 16 people listening to give $100. Are there? 32 people to give $50. I'm impressing you with my math. All right, here we go. <laughs> Mrs. Brody has donated, so my sunny boy doesn't feel left out. <laughs> Thank you, Ma. All right. Sunny boy. Sunny, sunny boy. boy you're Mrs. Goldberg, you. you're up. Now, my, you're my up. parents are fast asleep. <laughs> my parents are fast asleep. Um, but anyway, thank you, Mrs. Wait, can Brody. I just say something? Thank I, you to all those. I was on, thank you, mom. I was on a uh, conference call, one of these Zooms late in the afternoon. Already it's like exhausting. And I was sitting outside. It was a nice warm day. And I'm telling you, I, I dozed off in the middle of the Zoom. And I was trying to figure out if they right. saw that. You yeah. know, like, do they know? And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. You know what I just I realized? Where all the, you know what I just realized where all the money's going? Yeah. 
atarankalev.com. <laughs> <laughs> People are confused. It's going to the wrong place. Anyway, I hope our listeners keep That's where keep all my supporters are going. Yeah, we're going strong. We're, as long as you stay with us, we're staying with us. Rabbi Moskowitz, we're really behind the beam. And by the way, we have almost 100 people still listening. Type in right now in the comments. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Go behind the beam with us. What do yeah, you want what to do know you about know our lives? Us. What yeah, do you want to know about the you. rabbinate? What do you want to know about communal leadership? Let us know what you want to know. This is your best shot. <laughs> we're we're yeah. going to talk about it right now. <laughs> Rabbi Moskowitz, what are you doing right now for inspiration? I want to know. Just re- yeah, go. No, no, go, yeah. No, I was going to ask this, Rabbi Goldberg, have another keeper under that keeper. That's all I want to know. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Okay, Rabbi Moskowitz, go ahead. I have, I have always said, and we've spoken about this in the past, that, uh, that so much of my life and the balance of my life is decided before 8 o'clock in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. I always say that the more I accomplish earlier in the morning, whether that's exercise, whether that's reading, reading whether that's learning, whether that's his bodidus, whatever I'm able to do early in the morning, the earlier I'm able to do it, the more inspired I am through the day, the more energetic I am through the day. So I'm, I'm working on it. I'm in, on an early morning kick of, of trying to get as much accomplished in the morning as possible. And, and again, for me, the, the three kind of pillars of that are always going to be exercise, um, learning, and, uh, and a little bit of reading. I find reading enormously therapeutic for me as well. I've, reading is fundamental. There's no question about it. Reading How is about you, Rabbi Goldberg? Who knows that reference? Um, it was just brought to my attention, Rabbi Brody, and I'm going to try not to fall off my chair right there. <laughs> Mrs. Brody made a donation in honor of her sonny boy, yeah. but she forgot to credit it to Rabbi Brody. <laughs> so it does not go to his total. It, says, it does not go to his total. He is still stuck. And therefore, you might want to get Mrs. On, Brody to happened? go back in. We need a technology consult from Mrs. Brody. Yeah. <laughs> technology consult for Mrs. Brody in aisle four. We've got to have more uh, listeners. You know, thanks for sticking with us. We're having a good time tonight. We're letting you in. We're talking about our lives. We need your help. You're not doing it for us. You're doing it to help us be instruments and, and a, mouthpieces to bring Hashem's Torah to the world. This is a one-off thing, right? We're not doing this again next week. This no, campaign this is, is a... This campaign is, is yeah. It's yeah, so people should know. Right. This is not a BRSonline.org slash global. BRSonline.org slash global. This is your chance. So please, please do your part. We really appreciate it. Get us get us to thirty five thousand tonight. Just get us fifteen hundred more dollars. One person. One person could give fifteen hundred. We have a few people who gave eighteen hundred. So one person could give fifteen hundred and then you can all go to sleep. Otherwise you have to stay with us. You must continue <laughs> with us. So Matthew Miller, my good friend asks, what are the top books that we read in the year 2020? What are the top books of 2020 that you read? What books moved you the most? What are the top books that transformed you in the year 2020? Well, for me, me that's that's easy. Edith Eager's book, The Choice, was one of the most profound, moving, thought-provoking books I've read in a really long time. Her story, Mm -hmm. I wrote about it in an article, a story about the Holocaust, really incredible stories of survival. And then more importantly, her mindset after the survival, um, her notion that we choose, you could choose how you react to life circumstances, you can't choose the life circumstances. So right. for me, that was definitely far and away the most inspiring book I read in 2020. How about you, Rabbi Goldberg? Powerful. Powerful. Um, 2020 or 2021? Because 2020 was so long ago, it's hard to even remember. Did a lot of reading in 2020 because during the shutdown, the lockdown, a lot of reading. more right. time, more Shabbos and Yontavs than we ever had. But um Try to read Svarim and take on a little more learning projects and, and read some books also. I'll tell you, uh, 2020, I actually don't remember, but I was reading a book called The Infinite Game, Simon Sinek. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. yeah. The notion of the infinite game. It's quite, kind of a takeoff on um, on seven habits 
the the notion of um, win-win versus win-lose, lose-win, and so on. So the finite game has to have a winner and a loser. The finite game has, has a finite ending, and there's a winner and a loser. And the infinite game is all about the cause. It's all about the mission. It's got me thinking a lot. In fact, I read it over one Shabbos, and in my mind, it was a problem for me, because I read it over one Shabbos, and in my mind, I thought of a whole book I want to write based on that book, about the BRS philosophy in the infinite game, the movement, our values, what we're trying to create. And by the time Shabbos was over, I couldn't take notes on anything I had been thinking about. And that ended up being a problem. I, I wrote some notes, but by the time it was over, it was it was lost on me. So um, it's funny. I remember problem. someone recommended that book to you, and told you that that's going to make a great Shabbos Shuvah Russia. Now that you're telling me the premise, I, I totally get it. I understand it. They did. Yeah, it was very powerful. Very very powerful. Rabbi Brody, what are you listening to? Which book are yeah, you? Yes, so I got to? I got my books right here. I listen to, uh, and these are long books. It takes sometimes fourteen hours to get through a book. So that's a couple you know weeks for me, but. I listened to uh, Jim Cramer's Real Money, great book. I listened to, it was really good. I'm just telling you, he's, I, I, I'm a big fan of Jim Cramer. I listened to this famous book, which I'd never listened to before. Everyone told me about it. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale really Carnegie. Classic. Dale Carnegie. Classic. Yeah, yeah, really, really Absolutely. good book. And um, you know, should I tell you There's that great article that he modeled that after of Dessler's principle, right? Uh, it was actually the opposite direction. But Rav Dessler. I mean, Rav Dessler, right? Yeah, Rav Dessler, Mechtemilio, modeled the whole piece after after that. And that was reported by his student, Rabbi Carmel. That wasn't just conjecture. It's amazing. What's Svarim? Any Svarim in 2020, 2021 that entered your library that have really inspired you and moved you? I mean, I'm doing the daf. I'm doing the, I mean, for me, that's a lot of right now. I mean, I, I, love, I love doing it. Yeah. yeah. What is I involved last week? What was that? That was like that chock full of uh, taruvas. That was good. That was good stuff. Yeah. In Smichas Chaver, we had a story, Rabbi Yadda shares stories with us that, uh, that we use and, and we repeat, from actually our neighbor and friend, Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro in North Miami, where an older person was in his shul and told him the following story, that he was in the Hungarian army before the Hungarians were invaded by the Nazis, and they went to a town that used to have Jews but was Judenrein, and they was off from the army, went for a walk around town. He hid the fact that he was Jewish, always hid it, his life would be at risk. And he went to the market, and in the market, there was a Gemara. And a person who was selling plums, you know the way you wrap fish in newspaper? Each person who bought a plum or plums would rip out a page of the Gemara and wrap the fruit in the page of the Gemara and give it to the person. And his heart broke. He wanted to go buy the Gemara, but he couldn't reveal that he was a Jew. He would take his life into his own hands if he did it. So um, he refused to do it, but he went and he bought a plum. He had to sell the watch he was wearing to have the money just to buy a plum. He bought the plum. Gave up his last, that jewelry, that watch, was the thing that would have kept him going. It was the only commodity, the only thing of value that he had. And he used it to buy a daf gemara. And he bought the plum. The guy ripped out the page of gemara. I think it was brachos daf tes, daf ches. And uh, immediately he ran away, opened it up, got rid of the plum, folded the gemara and put it in his pocket. Ultimately, the Nazis invaded. Ultimately, he went to a concentration camp. The man survived, and he was able to keep that daf gemara with him throughout the entire Holocaust. And that daf was his daf. He learned it, he read it, he memorized it, and that daf, he couldn't rescue that whole Masechta of Gemara, but he took that daf and what that meant for him, what it represented for him. Such a powerful story. So every daf a person lo- use, learns or uses is, is a new safer, is a new, uh, a wow. new Masechta, is a new, a new Gemara. Any news farm for you, Rabbi Moskowitz? Any new genre? Well, first of all, we heard, we, heard, we heard an incredible story. You and I were emailed an incredible story about a person who uh, passed away the, uh, over the last couple of weeks from BRS. And uh, the person told a story that this person sold a piece of jewelry 
in order to ensure that their child had a Jewish education to make sure that they could stay in the school. And um, again, I found that incredibly inspiring. And and again, these are the people, they don't get uh, necessarily the fanfare, but uh, these are everyday heroes doing incredible things to to support Torah and to perpetuate it for the next generation. So I remember Mm -hmm. seeing that story, it was incredibly inspiring. Um, For me, yeah, it's the DAF. Um, when we were in Israel last year, I bought a safer on uh, Hasidus on the Parsha, which, uh, which I enjoy every Shabbos. That's uh, something that I enjoy learning, I enjoy preparing from. I'm still going through Tanya, working my way through slowly, trying to understand it and to break my teeth over it. It's, it's amazing, you know, because I know we're not allowed to speak about Chabad anymore, but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, Chabadniks are introduced to that language at such a young age. But for us who didn't grow up in that world, it's a totally new vocabulary. It's a totally new language to be speaking when you're going through Tanya. So it's definitely something I've enjoyed. It's opened my eyes to an entirely new way of viewing things and viewing the world. And I continue to find that incredibly inspiring. I agree with you. I I learned Ta'ayva Chavrus and Tanya with Rabbi Tauger. We learned the Perak Yedalad we're up to today. Um, Rabbi Tauger, who has translated and published so much that comes out of Chabad, we're very fortunate he lives in our community, so learning right. Tanya with him. But Tanya is not just a Chabad Sefer. Rav Shechter has told us several times that when he looks for inspiration, he goes to Tanya. The Rav learned and knew certainly from his youth in Chaslavich, knew Tanya probably by heart. So Tanya is one. I've gotten very into Rav Meyer Morgenstern, Bayam Durachecha. So his farm, and I have a dear friend, not Mendy Mocher's farm, but Mendy, who was gives me matanos of Svarim, my good friend Mendy, every visit he brings Svarim. He just brought me this, it's coming out. This is the preview of it, which is the Biyam Derachecha on Shabbos Kodesh. So wow. for me, I'm in a Shabbos phase, a major Shabbos. I shouldn't say phase, I hope it's a permanent part of my life. So I'm really excited about that. Biyam Derachecha, I've really been, uh, I've been loving. And the Svarim of Yisrael Meir Druk, Rav Yisrael Meir Druk, a great Rosh Hashiv in Yushalayim, the son of the Drash Mordechai, who is a Talmud Chaver of Rechem Kanievsky. Rav Druk has Svarim on Parsha called Eish Tamid, which are his Drush. I've been using it in my Parsha Shirin Shin every week for the last several months. He also has a set of Svarim, whose name is escaping me at the moment, also organized in the Parsha, but Lamdus. It's like a little Chabura on each Parsha, and it's amazing. It's neatly organized, neatly packaged. And I've also been introduced the last couple of years. Um, I got a gift from my friend Yishai Bain of one of the Yerach Lamoadim of Rav Yerucham Olshin, one of the Rosh Yeshiva of Lakewood, whose Amazing. farm are outstanding, Amazing. really well organized and clear and fantastic. And I've really, really been enjoying them. So those Svarim, also doing the daf, obviously, and whatever other our responsibilities, but taking on those Svarim. All right, we're going to uh, start winding down, but we do have a question that came in. A text, someone who says they're not sure how to comment on YouTube, but they want to know, what do the rabbis do to veg out? What do the rabbis do to relax? That's the question that's come in. Again, if we could get to 35000 we would love you. So we have uh, $1,461 to go. Anyone wants to write a check, $1,500? Staka, it's a miser. We would uh, consider you a great partner. Any any Shriers left out there, we'd love it. But um, maybe, maybe, maybe dailygiving.org wants to make another allocation to help help us wind out. But while while we're waiting for that last person to come in who's going to bring us up to that number, um, Rabbi Brody, what do you do to veg out? Music and play guitar. I love it. I'm play, playing a music lot of guitar what? now. What do you mean Listening music? to music. I love listening to music. I don't know. Listening I just love it. I love it. I, I find it uh, relaxing. I find it inspiring. And... Um, I just, you know it's interesting. I think now with with iTunes, the way the way it, the way uh, music's become so much more accessible, um, right. you you find the music that you really really enjoy listening to so much easier. 
I mean, you know what it was like for us to, to, sure. to back in the day to find that one song. <laughs> and now it's, right. now it's now it's right there. It's amazing. And it's, you know, you create these nice, nice playlists and, and you can actually find playlists of people that have your same taste. So it's, it's easy to find. All of a sudden you hear that song and it, it's, it's interesting. You could listen to a song that you maybe haven't heard in 20, 30 years. And it right. brings you right back to that play. You remember exactly where you heard it. Transports it. you. Music is yeah, so It really powerful. does. That's it's why so it's powerful. in Jewish tradition, the Levium would sing when the Carbonus were off. Right. Music is elevating and it's it's transporting and it takes you different places. It's very, very powerful. So you like listening to music and also playing music. Playing. I, yeah. I, you only knew how to play the guitar recently. I remember you taught yourself guitar because you, you felt like it would be a great addition to your life. It was and uh, certainly helped Vishinantam and some of the other programs we've done. But... But I, I look forward to the day when I can have a little soundproof studio, bring a drum set back into it, really bang on the drums. Uh, that's that's really a dream. I I, I miss it so much. I miss I miss the drums. It's just hard to play when you live in a house and you you, you know the yeah. people in the house and you have neighbors. So I don't know how you <laughs> you're supposed to do it. Your neighbors Rabbi Moskowitz, you, Rabbi Moskowitz, you're not allowed to say running. What other than running do you like to do in order to veg? That's my thing, running and reading. Those I are saw my you this morning. Things. I'm predictable. And it's not, I know you make fun of my running. It, for me, it is the greatest way to clear my mind. It make is therapeutic for me. God it is, um, I love it. I love being out in the open. I love certainly early morning. Robbie Brody saw me out there early this morning. Like um, there's something very special when you're out there and you're watching the sun come up. And, and right. it, it's, it's really... Um, it's a really spiritual experience for me, running. I love it very much. Um, and reading, again, in addition to learning, obviously, but reading in particular, I find there's a special beauty in losing yourself into a book, to losing yourself into a narrative. It's a great way to distract me from everything else that's going on in the world. Right, right. Part of the challenge for me is finding a good book, right? I mean, you have to go through a couple until you find one that sticks. But when you find right. that one that sticks, you, you fly through it and you're transposed into a different world because of it. And um, I love it. I love reading. And that came later on in life. I wasn't like that as a child at all. Reading is great. I like what about you, Rabbi comedy. I've spoken about this before. I love comedy. You've been with me in a car before Corona on the way back from a funeral or something sad. I find comedy is a great escape. Right. Laughter is the best medicine. Chazal endorsed that when they knew that the Badchanim, the people who made people laugh, had the greatest chalik in Olam Haba. And the comedy, laughter is a great medicine. So I love laughing. I love laughing. I love escaping through comedy. I love laughing. And uh, that's one of the things I do to veg out. I also like reading tennis. You and I have played tennis. I love tennis. I used to love basketball and play all kinds of sports, but then I got old. So now I love tennis. And uh, golf's not so ping, bad. We got a ping pong table during Corona. I noticed that in your kitchen. We got a ping pong table. Mostly it's when my son-in-law comes that we're able to really, my daughters are great ping pong, not knocking them. They're learning, they're growing, but the epic <laughs> ping pong matches really come more. Um, so that's a great way to, a great way to veg out also. All right. We are at two hours and 12 First, minutes. I, I will say, do you not have a new appreciation for these guys who get on the radio or on TV every single morning and do a three, four hour show? Four and, and a half about, hours. Like, the greats who for a year, Mike yep. and Mike and Mike and the Mad, three, four hours every right. day on the radio, right. on TV, talking, engaging. Well, they, do have, they have some commercial breaks. Right, they can they, they can use the restroom in between, but it's it's still it's an incredible feat now. I, I have a new appreciation. Do you remember that Naftali Bennett was on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was three weeks ago. First of all, it's hard to believe he's awake now. When, when this comes up in someone's podcast player tomorrow, and they look and they're like two hours and fifteen minutes, 
something must be broken. You got to do it. Maybe that woman, that woman forgot to hang up the conference right, call. Uh, he calls it a deep dive. Like we're doing a deep dive with our guest today. Long dive. form interview. Right. Well, we want to thank all of our generous contributors. We hope others will also step up and give. If you're listening later, you can give at any time. You don't have to give during this week or only on this night. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're benefiting, whenever you're doing your part, we would appreciate your partnership. We'd appreciate your uh, your help. So Rabbi Maskowitz, Rabbi Brody, thank you again for all that you do for our community. Thank you to the whole team of BRS. We're going to have more of our teammates on behind the beam soon as well. Oh, we got another anonymous donation. Thank you. And people should is know this is also not one of these these uh, campaigns that you know we're matching and there's it's it's all set up and it's you know correct. We don't know did they really have the money in advance? They didn't have this is every dollar counts. Yeah, we, here. We're we're playing it straight. We're playing it yeah. straight. There's no shtick. There's, there's no, no shtick of quadruple and triple and quintuple <laughs> and really the money was coming in anyway except for the last piece and we lined it up in advance. There's no shtick here. And I'm, we're not criticizing anybody because those systems work for others. We thought and we trusted, hey, world, you like what we're doing? Please be part of it. If enough people gave 18 or $180, $100, then, you know, in volume, we'd be able to make our goal. And if we don't make our goal, there's no shame. It's, it's you know, it's a, it is we'll what it is. And we're, great. we're certainly grateful to the people who help, and it enables us to continue to do what we're doing. So thank you. We're looking forward to next week. We have great list of great great oh, list of, of guests that are coming up. Super excited to be able to have them on. Those who stuck with us till the end, I feel like you're the ones who made it till the end of the seder or till the end of Shavuos. <laughs> morning. It's time for it's time for davening, and you made it through the night. You get a medal. Anyone want to meet us in the parking lot now for a meeting? <laughs> we we <laughs> happy to meet you. Until next week. Stay it's happy. almost it's almost Thursday morning. Stay Until healthy. next week. Stay they could stay, stay on straight to my Talem class. That's true. That will be the next class on brsglobal.org, right? BRSonline.org slash global. 9.30 tomorrow morning. to wake up in shortly. five and a half hours. <laughs> all right. Huge thank you to Naftali Bennett. Thank you, Naftali, for all you're doing. Thank you for being on. Thank you to dailygiving.org. Thank you to all the other people who contributed tonight. And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bema.